Hi, my name's John, and my favorite Star Wars character is Han Solo. Do I have to pick a different character? <laughs> no one has to pick a different character, no. <laughs> uh, hi, my name is Jonathan, and my favorite Star Wars character is probably Han Solo. Hi, my name is Becca, and my favorite Star Wars character is Princess Leia. I don't know if it's because I love Carrie Fisher so much and I can't separate them as people in my head, like character mm -hmm. from person. But I don't know. They've got very similar vibes, which is why she does such an amazing job. So definitely. And Princess Carrie Leia. Fisher's personality brings some kind of weird, uh, I don't know, some oomph to Star Wars that it just wouldn't have without her. Even oh, before she yeah. became yeah. kind of the Carrie Fisher we know. But like she just brings something to it, like the connection to old Hollywood through her through her, uh, you know, her parents. But there's something else, too. There's it's just... just like her her personality. She's just like such a big personality for being a, a teeny tiny person <laughs> and like her petulance and stubbornness. And, and like if you watch um, some of the behind the scenes documentaries where you can see other people reading for Princess Leia and they're all just very soft mm -hmm. and it, you know, that could have been good, maybe, you know, but to have Carrie Fisher be so tough and a princess it just like brings another dimension that they probably weren't even aiming for they just ended up with yeah because of her i do think they probably luckily like ended up with her because i i feel like what she's doing especially in a new hope doesn't and like i could be completely wrong but it just it feels less like a maybe a george lucas note and more of just a carrie fisher like this is how i'm gonna do this because when you first are introduced to her she is like a regal she's got like kind of a british accent yeah thing going on and then like there's a turn when she's escaping the death star that she just starts calling the shots and yeah. it's like she's just in fucking charge and yeah. it, it seems so hard to be able to believe that from anyone but her mm -hmm. and you wonder how much of that was something she brought to it or how much of it was written into it yeah. um in the later movies i think you hear about her uh, like doing a polish or helping with some of the lines and stuff, but yeah, I don't think she early like a on. Secret script doctor for a long time. I but I I think in the trilogy that we most know her for and that we're talking about in this episode, um, I don't know if she had that status, but definitely in the sequel trilogy, she was like on set and able to to offer an idea of like, well, you know what, you could turn this line. But maybe she was helping out with the scripts on the on the other ones too. I know that she became known as a writer more after that. She was really very young when she was doing Star Wars. Oh yeah, she was very from, young. From like she 19 was, to 19, 25. She was just out of school in England, which is why she sounded like that. Uh, yeah, she was a baby. I, you know, similar to that, we both said Han Solo, Jonathan. I, I was thinking after I, John, said Han Solo, you were going to say Honathan Solo, just to keep the <laughs> names consistent. But I, I, I think you could say the same thing about that. Han Solo is an interesting character, and he's a fun conception, but they luckily cast Harrison Ford, who yeah. can somehow convey, like, swashbuckling cool, and also, like, a little bit of a wink to the audience of, like, who the fuck cares about this crap? You know, like, somehow he legitimized this, like, something that could have seemed silly, uh, and, and to many people does, but, like, I think him being there with a little bit of a smirk, it's like, it wasn't just... It didn't like deflate the fun. It more felt like, oh, here's a person you can kind of get into this world through who isn't all swept up in it. You know, here's a person who's kind of cynical about what what you're watching, and also you get to see them then get swept up, which is which is the the arc of the character. Harrison Ford is so weird because I don't know if he's ever really been in a straightforward comedy ever, but like he's been on record 
many times like talking about how he wishes he could be like a comedian, like a, like a comedy actor. Like, and I feel like that kind of comes through, especially in Han Solo. Like he seems like a pretty funny guy, like dryly funny, but like yes. it, it's cause he's like Han Solo. You're introduced. He's like this cool, like, like, uh, like you said, swashbuckling, you know, rogue guy. But then, like, he's also got, like, a real, like, kind of doofus side to him. No, he's a, I always talk about him as a galoot. He's like <laughs> a, he's kind of big. I mean, it's like, he doesn't feel big, but big compared to Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill. He, he feels kind of strapping, like he would be the guy who would bump his head or he would be the guy who would, who would, you know, and again, I think that's, again, that's the premise of the character as they've gone on with it, yeah. is to say that he is always, like, barely one step ahead of whatever is coming for he like lucks into being one step ahead Mm -hmm. let's actually look at this this trilogy was it for star wars for the longest time and i think that it is the one that you still when i think about references to star wars i end up making more references to lines or moments or characters from these movies than to anything else and i think that if we're going to get into it from a storytelling standpoint though since we talked about the prequels in some form already i don't think we spent any time really talking about the kind of in-between movies the so-called star wars stories Uh, there was solo and there was rogue one yeah so if we really were watching in linear like story time we would go original we would go not original we'd go prequel trilogy uh solo rogue one and then a new hope yeah so i guess before we get into a new hope uh through the crawl, I, let's. What did you guys? I don't know. I actually don't know what the two of you think of of a Rogue One and Solo. I I like both of them. Um, I feel like I haven't seen Rogue One more than once. I don't think so. so um, I I know I liked it. I I think I felt a little bit bored by it, or I don't know, bored during it. Um, but I did like it a lot, and I really liked Solo. I thought Solo was great. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit laughing when you were talking just because I find the timelines in Star Wars so frustrating. I'm just like, <laughs> which is where I never fucking remember. I never right. remember. Like, where did this, when did this happen? Which, where does this go in the placement? I get so frustrated. I don't know why. But I can, well, I mean, if you think of it you. in story terms, <laughs> when, when, Revenge of the, when, when Revenge of the Sith ends, it ends with the setup of Luke and Leia being separated, basically, and Yoda fleeing, right? That's yeah. where that movie ends. That's where it leaves our major characters. And um, I know and there's, Obi-Wan there's so going much to watch other Luke. stuff that I yeah. haven't seen, like Rebels and like all the other stuff Clone in Wars. the canon and Clone Wars. And like, I don't know. I, I just know it exists, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah. It just, there's so many different pieces and I can't. Well, I'm sure in terms of cartoons and ancillary stuff, there's a lot of stuff in between these movies. Well, but yeah, if we're Clone just going Wars. linearly, then like you would end with Revenge of the Sith, which like I said, ends with Luke and Leia being spirited away and Obi-Wan watching. And then the next thing we would see would be the beginning of Solo, which introduces us to this world of, you know, this gang of, of, of orphans essentially that are, are like sent out to commit crimes for some kind of syndicate, which is an interesting, you know, I, I liked that part of the story a lot. I thought that it was interesting how they set Han Solo up. Yeah. I liked Solo too. I thought it felt like in some ways it was the star Wars movie that my little brain wanted yeah. from like after I first saw star Wars or Empire Strikes Back or whatever, when I was a kid, I just wanted to see that kind of fun adventure. And you talk about the humor of Han Solo's character in these movies in general, I think Solo is a really funny movie, and I think a lot of that has to do with Lawrence Kasdan being one of the writers. He's the guy who wrote Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and he wrote uh, The Force Awakens. 
or at least co-wrote. So he's the guy who I think not only gets the humor of these movies, particularly the guy has an ear for Han Solo and how he talks and what's funny about him. And I think the movie Solo really does show us like the nascent form of that exact bravado we, we were mentioning where he's going to get himself into almost too much trouble for him to get out of. And then he's going to just barely get out of it. And he's going to seem kind of heroic when he does it. But you're going to realize that like, he got himself into it, you know? Yeah, like, and it, it's not necessarily completely expertise and talent that gets him out of it. It's like <laughs> he, a lot of luck and the people he's aligning himself with that are helping him. Yeah. He's not just, like, in control of what's happening at all times. He's, you know, can be bumbling sometimes I, and still be fun to watch. Yeah, I love Solo. Uh, I think Solo is a great like, I think it's a fantastic movie, like a fantastic Star Wars movie. There's like a few moments in it that I think are a little like eye rolling fan servicey, um, like a couple. But like, yes, I, there's one moment. There's one moment that puts me off. There's two, I think, that people is mention. It when the guy gives him the name Solo. The, the oh, name yeah. doesn't bother me. The name doesn't bother I mean, I don't like it particularly, but it doesn't bother me because it feels like, yeah, maybe they would do that. But the thing that bothers me is when he meets, when he's down there talking to Chewbacca after they've met and they've escaped, and he says, What's your name? And Chewbacca goes like, or whatever. And then he says, I'm going to have to give you a nickname. That's where I'm like, No one would ever say that to someone, you know? Like that's a wink to the audience that really doesn't do anything for me. But but I I didn't mind so much like just hearing, you know, the the gag of how he got his name because it makes sense to think that he would have an assumed name. I, yeah, I don't I don't I I honestly don't mind really any of it. Like yeah, I I don't think it needed it. Well, yeah, a lot of it felt like um, let's find as many details to explain as possible. Yes. Where I would have just been okay if you didn't explain any of that stuff and yeah. just showed me like a young Han Solo story. Yeah. I would have still been fully on board. And I was take... still on board for the movie. Yeah. I just didn't need a lot of what they you don't need gave to in it. E- explain everything. Yeah. Like I, I you can I take all like, those I don't moments. need to see the, and and again, like I still liked it, but I don't need to see the Kessel run. I don't need to see right. people getting their names or whatever else ended up I don't know. It was cool seeing him get the Falcon, but I didn't necessarily need that stuff. Yeah. No, you're right in that it would have been cool to see just a story with those characters, right? Like, you know, without it having to hit these points. And I think that was the thing a lot of people complained about was that, oh, it's just the greatest hits of Han Solo's, like, what we know about him. And the truth is, if you did watch that movie and then you saw A New Hope, I think like with a lot of prequels, it sort of, it it doesn't really enrich that character because Harrison Ford brings everything he needed to to that and like the way that he comes into star wars he brings that energy right at the moment when a person who doesn't love high fantasy might be going oh god where's the where's the life in this movie you know and here comes a guy who's kind of wisecracking whereas i think that would be slightly diminished if you actually watched it in order but i think that's the way prequels are always going to be and that's almost always why the best order is to watch them in the order they came out i completely agree that's the order that your brain was was able to receive that and that's something our our friend chris will talk about clone wars or rebels or whatever the the comics or like whatever other um ancillary stuff there is and i'll tell us like well they fully explain this thing here and they explain that this is someone's father or this is why somebody did this or someone witnessed that and i'm like i didn't need to know that yeah it's just there's there reaches a point where you know too much like it takes a little bit of mystery away i don't have to know every detail of everyone's lives at every second to still be able to enjoy what is there yeah and yeah especially if you watch it in order it's going to take a little bit of the oomph away right there is a 
comic that came out sometime, you know, since Force Awakens, and it was specifically explaining why or how C-3PO got his red arm, because he has a red arm in The Force Awakens. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't need to know that. That's like bottom level thing I need to know. Yeah. I do not need to know. Him saying, like, you might not recognize me because I have a red arm was hilarious. Yeah, that joke was great. I it don't need to know, like, why he got the red arm. I just, like, I just need that moment and to laugh at it and be like, cool. It's funny that C-3PO would think that. And then it's also funny that Han really doesn't give a shit what C-3PO is doing with his arm. Yeah, you know, like, like, like Leia were trying to have a moment. Like, They're trying to have a moment. Yeah, right, right. He and Leia are trying. Yeah. Well, yeah, um... Uh, the other thing I think I hear as a criticism of Solo and why it would take the oomph out of it if it were in that order, in, in the story order and not, you know, order of release, is that even though I really like seeing this in Solo, because I don't think it resolves Han's character. And in fact, it ends with him kind of going off like to work for Jabba, seemingly. So it seems like this is the beginning of him getting deeper into the sort of criminal element rather than becoming heroic. Mm -hmm. But that movie does come out and tell you you're not a bad guy. Like there's that whole thing about him wanting to seem like he's not the hero. And then um, Kira... Uh, says to him, you're a good guy. Like basically saying like, you can't run with me. You can't be part of this scene yeah. you're trying yeah. to be part of because you're a good guy. And I think in that movie that works because once we know the story of Han Solo, we know how he lives and dies. It's very touching to go back to when he was still kind of a young man. Like mm -hmm. the older I get, the more touched I am by people in their like 1920 range trying to make their way. Like when I was in that range, I just thought like, no, I'm just like any other person who's a new adult trying to get out there. But when you get a little older and you look back, it's like you could sometimes think back on like a 17-year-old version of yourself and go, oh, you poor kid, you know? <laughs> I think it's kind of neat to see Han Solo at that point where he isn't so hardened yet and he isn't so tough yet and his heart is kind of broken and he is sort of confused. And it's like, I think they did a good job of playing that. But I think if we had seen all that before we meet him in the cantina, part of me goes, well, what, would it have been neat to see how 10 years later he's now fully cynical? Or would it be like, you're looking at that guy going, I know too much about him. You know, yeah. and I think I opt to that second option, but Definitely. I do think mm -hmm. they did a good job of sidestepping. Like it's not actually something that wrecks his arc in a new hope. It's just something no. that takes a little bit of the steam out of the idea that he's going to come back, you know, cause in, in a new hope, the whole, the best part is him coming back at the end to save the day. And if we knew already, oh, he's actually a hero in, in wolf's clothing, maybe it would have, it wouldn't have worked as well. But I like that we got to see that version of him, you know? I, I think that was one of my main thoughts in watching that movie was that I did wish it had ended more cynical because it felt like that's what they were building towards. And it felt mm -hmm. like that's the Han Solo we met in a new hope. So it just feels like if you're going to do a prequel, you're going to leave off kind of close to the same point you pick up again later. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it it felt like they were going that way. And then, you know, not quite. He is a little more, you know, kind and optimistic and helping people and whatever. But I, I just felt like it would have been a little more interesting to see like okay well something fucking broke his spirit yeah. and something turned him on this path of being you know a lone wolf mm -hmm. um and obviously he's like you know the rogue with a heart of gold but to be that person he still kind of has to be a rogue and out on his own and be really hurt well and I wonder... it just felt like it was a little bit nicer it just feels like a weird thing to say. <laughs> no, I know what I you mean. I felt like it was a little bit nicer at the end than I wanted it to be. I'm like, or I guess that I thought would make sense 
for um, his character arc later. No, I think you're right. I, I think the, the easiest way to probably respond to that is probably that they I bet they had a solo two. Well, that's exactly what th- I was going to say. That was more say. penciled in. They I think were because all... you can see they left a lot unresolved in that movie that feels like setting up. And they were all more. signed on yeah. for additional movies. Yeah. And then like, what? No one saw it or it got bad reviews or something. Yeah, it, it, it's it, not it's even like that least... no one saw it. It made. I mean, it made a ton of money. It just. But did it's the not lowest make... grossing Star Wars movie. But yeah, uh... it just didn't make the money that they wanted it to make. Like, it didn't make a billion dollars. It only made, like, $500 million. But they also <laughs> reshot, like, more than half of it when they when they changed directors. Oh, right. And that is something right. that made it cost a lot more it than it should have. It was I, I don't think we that. really know how much that movie would have cost because it had whatever the normal marketing budget of a Star I mean, Wars movie, which is huge, plus shooting it twice. Yeah, they yeah. shot it twice. I, I'm pissed that we don't get more of the, either of those movies. Maybe they'll do a, a show because I think... No, they're talking about that now. Because I love, like, obviously, Donald Glover fucking killed it as young Lando. Yes. Like, unquestionably, absolutely killed it. I really like Alden Ehrenich as yeah. young no, he was Han Solo. I thought he was great. Like, I don't even give that much of a shit about Darth Maul, but getting to, like, bring him back at the end as a setup, I'm like, that's cool. Like, I'll check that out. Like, I, I want to see what happens. Like... I want more underworld, you know, I want yeah. more like gangster stuff and like more uh, like scoundrel like missions. And they also, they got all of the fan service out of the way in that first movie. Yeah. So there's nothing left for them to explain. So they could just do whatever they want. They could, if like the movie was already so fun and funny, like that's the other thing. It was so fun. And in a second, I'll get to my thoughts on Rogue One. No, we'll why, get to Rogue oh, yeah. One in a second. Why I love Solo. It's just like, more than anything, it is a fun movie. And that's one of the things that I love about Star Wars so much is that, you know, at least when you talk about the original trilogy, what we were first introduced to, they're fun. You don't like the Senate hearing? <laughs> that's almost the exact reason why I hate the prequels, because there's, like, no joy in them. There's, there's, it's, uh, whatever, they're political dramas. We've already got over it. Like, the original trilogy and then the sequel trilogy, as much as people, like, like to rag on it and there's obvious flaws with it but they're also fun like force awakens brought fun back to star wars um and i i guess we'll maybe talk about it also but like one of the reasons i love mandalorian so much is because it's like a fun show like it's really exciting and interesting and there's like there's a lightheartedness to it like star wars isn't a heavy like deep thing it's kind of surface level to a certain extent. Um, and it's not like depressing, you know, yeah. it's not sad. It's not heavy. It doesn't like make you feel blue. Like it makes you feel like happy and uplifted because it's always about good versus evil and bad versus, or, you know, good, uh, 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 right versus wrong. And it's yeah. like rebels versus empire. It's really clear cut. <laughs> it's a really simple story with like simple emotions but yeah. in a good way yeah well i think that like um finding out that they had more planned and that there could be more with those characters and those actors and those roles i do think that gives me a little bit of hope because i i agree with you that like donald glover was a was a fun thing to see and i would i could watch a whole movie or a whole show of those two bouncing off of each other and kind of getting one up and then you know like you kind of want to see that part of their relationship and not have it be supporting like you said this origin story yeah. stuff or seeing how he goes off and sets up cloud city would also be a a story it'd be something different yeah. i think that that the mandalorian uh all that stuff yeah it's it doesn't have to support the mythic 
like the underpinnings and the the implications of doing something set in the so-called what they came to call the the Skywalker saga, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it does feel like it's nice to not, and it's also nice not to have Jedi running around uh, so much, or not have the focal point be like who's got the most magic power. You know, it's it, yeah. Solo feels a little bit more ground level, which is something a lot of people were saying about Rogue One too, which is again the next movie in the sequence. And also, as you said, Becca, this is a prequel that truly does tee up the next <laughs> quote unquote chapter. To a moment, like Very to a second, literally, literally, to a point that I, almost bothered. I mean, I, 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 think it's kind of a neat trick when a movie does that. There was a thing remake reboot uh, oh, in yeah. 2010 or something. Maybe I got the year wrong, but that also surprised you at the end by revealing it was an exact up to the minute setting up the beginning of the original thing. Movie. Yeah, the, the so I like when they do that. I like it's the film trickery good. of that, but I also <laughs> but the credits I, like literally the the closing credits of that thing remake slash reboot whatever prequel. The closing credits are are the events that are in the opening credits of John Carpenter's thing. Uh, so then, yeah, you realize that. It, oh, like, I, that's an interesting concept, but I didn't see the movie, so maybe the movie. But it's sucks. Yeah, like the, the thing. Sucks. John Carpenter's thing opens with people in a helicopter trying to shoot a wolf. Yeah, yeah. And this ends with the wolf running off and the people just getting in the helicopter and going, you know, going to get. It. So it really is like, mm-hmm. oh, kind of cool. But just like I felt at the end of Rogue One, like, eh. Maybe even more so with Rogue One, because I think that Star Wars, it's got those opening crawls at the beginning that we've talked about a, a bit on this show. Like, to me, that is, that is there to say, you didn't see what happened before this, so now we're telling you. And it's a little bit weird to have the movie that now, if you watched, again, if you watched them in story order, you would see that movie. And then the next movie begins with a crawl, and then it gets back to the exact moment that the last movie left yeah. you, which is a little bit of an odd thing to do, but... The main thing I think that was off-putting to me about that was the CGI young mm. Leia. That was that was a little bit hard for me to look at. But I, I get past those things pretty quickly in these movies because you just go, okay, effects are going to age and they're only going to be as good as they're going to be. But that to me felt like an overreach. Like yeah. I don't think you needed that shot. I think you could have had just her hand or even just the, know just that like it's the ship. Just like the ship from behind or I don't but know. Yeah, that, it, that it, was it, it so didn't... close to when she died. I think that that yeah. was released that I was straight up bawling in the theater <laughs> at CGI young Leia. Yeah. I was bawling my eyes out. So I didn't so, find it, but I'm very Okay, well, I mean, you're right, though. <laughs> I would almost say you could go the other way, though, that it was so close to her death that it was like, really? We're, you know, we, we're, we, we've got this digital version of her now that, like, she's not here anymore, but whatever. I mean, they had all of that old guy. What's his Tarkin, face? Was, yeah, they had all of Tarkin so Tar- much well, in it. Grandma of Tarkin in that movie. I didn't, I didn't like that either. Mo- I was gonna say <laughs> that bothers me more I, than I, Leia. A little bit at first, I was like, "Oh wow, that looks a lot like him. That's pretty cool." But then he kept showing up. I'm like, "Oh no, I have to keep looking at it." Yeah, <laughs> this uncanny valley I think monster. Him, yeah. I think him like from behind where he's looking at a window. And you see like the reflection. We, of we see him. the reflection yeah. in the window. Yeah, was that, perfect. Exactly, that worked. That worked. I. <laughs> are we on Rogue One now? Yeah, we're Rogue One now. Rogue we're One, wanting it. <laughs> I don't dislike Rogue One at all. I think, no, I don't. Really I think either. it's pretty great. Um, my biggest, my biggest complaint and criticism, and and the reason why I don't watch it very often is like Becca said. I think it's actually really boring. I think it's a really boring movie. I think it's dry. M- most of it is too dry. Most of it's really, really slow and dull. Even though it's interesting and its characters. Su- the, well, here's the main problem for me with Rogue One. It's two main characters, which is uh, Cass... Uh, um, and her, she's Jyn Erso. Jyn Erso yeah. is the main character, and Cassian Andor is the basically like the, the secondary character, like the, right. the, the main supporting character. Kind of like the love interest in a way. Kind I mean, of, he's... yeah. The two of them are the least interesting 
the most dull characters of that entire movie. And that's like a huge fucking problem. Like, you cannot have your main... I forgot about Alan Tudyk. Yeah. That's the robot. Like, everyone else is pretty great. Oh, and Donnie Yen. There's a well, the lot most, of The most interesting thing about Cash uh, in and Andor is that he goes around with that robot. Like, the two of them together might be a fun dynamic, but you don't get a ton of it. But I feel like that guy, Diego Luna, is a good actor, but th- something is just not clicking I think they're good. I think they're, they're not acting badly, but yeah, it's just like, I don't know what it is, but I just don't care about them. And that's a huge problem, where, like, if you don't care about your main characters, then, like, what's, what's the point? So, like, Jin Erso... I just she's comes across as like unsympathetic. Cassie and Andor kind of comes across as unsympathetic. I just don't like them. The rest of the movie, though, like all the supporting characters, Donnie Yen and that other guy, um, mm. like the two of them, I love. Like they have yeah. like a great like friendship and banter. Alan Tudyk as the robot is amazing. And um, his orientation to the uh, the Donnie Yen character, the blind monk sort of character, his orientation to the Force is really interesting to yeah. me too. I love the idea of someone who believes in it and kind of practices it, but doesn't know how to harness but, and like you know, not a jedi it's cool to yeah. see people who like are in who are like you know basically like religious mm-hmm. but like not jedi that's a cool and they're not in that binary i think the one thing that they've done in the new movies is sort of splinter off the idea of okay being a force user we think of it as jedi or sith yeah. but it doesn't mean that and in fact those are two like factions that kind of you know, we're witnessing how they kind of snuff each other out in a certain way in these stories, that there's other ways of approaching the Force. So, yeah, I thought that that was interesting. And I liked, um, uh, what's his name? Krennic. I thought he was a I'm good angle on the that, bad guy. Like a, like a middle management empire guy who's I trying really, to get really some liked credit. him. Like, I really, really liked his character. He's, like, like desperate and, and kind of, like, He's a weird, you know, sympathetic villain. Like, he's yeah. a villain. He's a straight-up villain. He's an evil... Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he was in uh, Captain Marvel. He's amazing in Captain Marvel. Which one is he? He's uh, the main scroll. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he kind of yeah he kind of steals that movie. He, gets, he, he really, really does. Comic relief in that movie. He's great. Um, ben Mendelsohn's he's also, also great on the Outsider, that Stephen King miniseries. I remember feeling bad for him. And I'm like, why? He's a villain, but like you do kind of feel bad for him because it's like he's such an evil guy, but then he's got like Grandma Tarkin, who's basically like his shitty supervisor, yeah, taking credit for his work, and then you've got Darth Vader, who's like super evil, and it's like. He got fucked over by the more evil guys. Like he literally got murdered by his own manager. Yeah. <laughs> like it's really <laughs> it's it's an interesting story. Um Well, I like I like stories that give life to characters even when they're not the good guys. Yes. Like mm-hmm. the bad guys still have lives. Yeah. It's more interesting to watch that than just like they're evil, let's pick them off. And it and it also that movie does an interesting thing with the rebels where it kind of paints the rebels as assholes. Like you get to see this side of the rebels where they're just like they're not just perfectly good guys. Like Yeah. Because like, like the first I think the scene you meet Cassie and Andor in, he's getting information from a dude and the dude's like injured and so he murders him. Like he basically cause he's just like, I can't get out of this without shooting this guy. So he like murders a dude yeah. in cold blood and like that's fucked up. I guess, you know, in wartime, you have to do that kind of stuff. But it was it was interesting to see, like, a different side to both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third act of Rogue One, like, the entire... Um, fuck, what's the name of that planet with the palm trees and stuff? Oh, boy. You know, this is where this is where my <laughs> status as a supposed super fan drops off because I don't remember the names like of I all the planets. Especially in like, the newer no, movies, I don't. I don't remember the names of all the planets. But it's um, the one that's got the, like, the beach planet. Yeah, the it's beach the, planet. The third yeah. act... Is it in other movies or just this movie? I think it's just this movie. I, th- I think they mentioned it. I have absolutely no idea. But um, the third act is 
fucking awesome. Yeah. Well, and see, I I don't know if it's just because I was starved for something to happen, and that's why I love the last scene so much. Because I'm like, finally. But there's like there's that scene where Scarif. Scarif. Thank you. There's that scene where never heard that word in my life. There's this huge like <laughs> space. I'll never battle. say it again. <laughs> there's like two battles happening concurrently. There's like a ground battle on Scarif, like mm. on beaches, which is cool because you've never seen beaches in Star Wars before. That's fun. Like yeah. adats yeah. and like the surf. Like that's cool. All that cool shit's happening on the planet, and then all this cool shit's happening in the uh, space above it. And there's that scene where one of the uh, rebels come in with a corvette, like one of the big um, ships, and rams a star destroyer into another star destroyer, and the two star destroyers uh, like yeah. explode in space and like blow that shield up. Like that was one of the coolest things I have seen in any Star Wars movie ever. Like seeing mm-hmm. that shit in the theater for the first time, like. This is the best part of this entire movie. Like, <laughs> so that's why I say I, I, that movie's boring, but there's like good payoffs at the end. Also, like kudos for killing the entire cast of that movie. Oh yeah, every <laughs> single character in that movie dies, which I really didn't think they were gonna do. Yeah, no, I, th- I knew they were gonna have some casualties, and I knew that was the premise of this story was that these weren't characters that we ever saw come back or anything. Mm-hmm. But it did. I, I did find myself like there was still that moment towards the end when, and it might be the droid that goes down first. Oof, but yeah. when that happens, there's just I was like, oh, oh, oh no, oh wow, yeah. I've never seen that before. That <laughs> they just start, you know, the, and then it was one after another. And I think they missed a few beats as far as like, like I still think that if you have a guy, I know it would have been sad to see, but I really wanted to see the the Force Monk guy have just a second of fighting Darth Vader before Darth Vader took him out i think that would have been a cooler death than the one he got but i still admire like you said the domino effect of just like boom 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 no they're succeeding in what they're trying to do but they're dying to do it yeah and that is something that's sort of a you know a cool story point Uh, it's almost like it's less imaginative than a regular story because in a regular story you would have to think of a clever way to have somebody survive and this one just kind of says let's put them in an unsurvivable situation and then "Eh, they don't survive you know it's like more of a it's almost like more of a horror movie or something like that but but I do like the way that it, it's self-contained in that sense. And it's like, it defies the idea that it's setting up any future movies. But I have to say, of all the characters in that movie, he's the kind of the clunkiest for me. Yeah, when and they announced I, they I think were that doing the dryness show... we've been talking about and the boredom you've been talking about, it's like, it just comes from, there's something kind of missing from the characters. They're a little bit, it, the actors and the set design and the costumes, everything, boom, it's on. You, you get a feel for it. But then there's something just kind of like... It's like someone said, we don't have to put as much fun in this one. Exactly, um, yeah. And I do think that kind of hurts the movie. I do. I definitely do. When they, yeah, but I, I still think it's beautiful. It, 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 yeah, I was, it, technically, like, it's a great movie. Like, it's very well, like, shot. Like, I, I know they were going for, like, a war movie. Like, we're going to make a, you know, what if we did a Star Wars, but it was, like, a war movie. And, like, you get mm-hmm. that feeling in it, for sure. But like you said, like, but I don't like war movies. But exactly, it's so. like, well, I don't really want my war movies mixed with my Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> like, kind of drab. It's kind of what I found kind of dreary yeah. and boring in a way. They're kind of monotonous or something. I don't know. That that is one of the few times where I feel like they have gone back. Where, um, you know, not to like explain something away, but there's that whole thing of like, oh, Darth Vader is so feared, but like you never really actually see him do much. Like in the original trilogy, he's kind of slow. Like you never get a feeling for like why people are actually terrified of him. And then when you see a scene, like well, then he's they... like a middle manager. Yeah. Like Palpatine's the big boss. Yeah. Vader's like the middle manager and he's got an army and his army's the one that does shit. Yeah. He's even kind of like a henchman 
It's like he's well, a, yeah. he's, the, he's, he's like he's, the coolest henchman in the galaxy. Yeah, he's that's the middle he manager. Is. He's got his own boss. Yeah. He's reporting to. Right. But so like the scene in Rogue One at the end where he just just like cuts through that whole like hallway full of guys is a great scene. Um, and even I so like I feel like they're doing some cool stuff right now to like re-legitimize Darth Vader as like a really scary guy just by kind of like going back in time and being like no look at this thing that he did this one time like look how fucked up like scary that is yeah there's um because in the original trilogy you you're really just going on reputation yeah Mm -hmm. and like everything in that world is building up his reputation but you don't see it but you don't see it yeah you just see other people reacting to it you kind of see it in the very beginning of a new hope you get the sense of he does choke the guy and throw him but you're right you don't get to see him like in his prime you don't in any of those movies does he seem like he's in his prime and i don't see him killing like women and children or whatever yeah Yeah, that that fun stuff (laughs) um yeah and i'm like that's some that's cool you know world building stuff of like just getting to see these like you said these glimpses of like his reputation realized yeah Which brings us, I guess, with Rogue One, you know, like that did put us into the beginning of the first movie. And I and I think that's another case where if you watched them back to back, it wouldn't spoil too much about it. Actually, it would be the, it wouldn't be like Solo and then A New Hope where it kind of wrecks his arc a little bit. It the, At least like Rogue One stays away pretty much from m- much of the Jedi stuff. I think the only thing that it would take away is the sense in A New Hope you're kind of discovering this mythology through people's eyes. Uh, like Luke, who believes that, you know, I don't know, it's not so much that Luke believes, he's just fascinated with it. And then we meet Obi-Wan, but the whole Jedi thing sort of creeps back into the story. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing in Star Wars that people seem to periodically forget that Jedi existed or that they were real, or maybe you're just far enough out from the center of the universe that people could say, I've never seen a, a Jedi or yeah. whatever. Um but the idea that they're completely gone at the beginning of A New Hope is is really a big deal. Like the idea that Luke is the last the last hope of, of this organization. And I don't know how much that is dirty now with all the books and other stories that are going on. I don't know how many at this time, maybe our friend Chris Zaleski could tell us this, he like how many Jedi are in hiding at the beginning <laughs> of A New Hope. Because it's meant to feel like Obi-Wan is there, Yoda is there, and Luke is here, and that's it. You know, there's yeah. nobody else that could that could take up this mantle. So that is another thing that's kind of messy about the thing you're talking about, Becca, which is like so many stories and like what pocket of the universe is this in? And um, I think I, that the concept of prequels is interesting. And I think you should always go and release order and never story order. Absolutely. They started the story like chronologically in our timeline. They started the story where they started it for a reason. Mm-hmm. They didn't start it. In the prequel story, they started it at A New Hope for a reason. And it's because that's a really captivating, amazing place to start it. Yeah. And taking that story, which uh, obviously any story in any timeline, in any place in history, you know, it has something leading up to it. It has something that comes after like our lives yeah so let you know the prequel of our lives is our ancestors <laughs> or, you know generations yeah. before us and they had interesting stories too yeah but you know if you're starting a story in a specific place it's because you have something to say about that that place and those characters uh, and you know and in an art form like movies when you're going into a prequel and going before that, it's because you've then later thought of something you want to flesh out or something more you want to see mm-hmm. or you want to tell a different story that led up to where what you're seeing now. But 
watching it in story order, you know, I think it's a disservice to the prequel and to the original movie because the Mm -hmm. prequel doesn't stand by itself. I don't think prequels ever stand by themselves. Even the stuff they go back and explain that supposedly setting up the character or would be chronologically setting them up only matters to you if you've met that character. You know what I mean? So you're right about that. Like, I always think of like the moment in um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where we see how... Harrison Ford got the scar on oh, his yeah. chin. Yeah, you don't and give a like, shit about that if you're just. No, we don't give a shit it about it. But time. that moment, especially if you were to, if you were to, and, and that's a that's a a prequel scene. That's actually yeah. a little different. That's a flashback. Yeah. But still, I'm saying that moment. If that were like a prequel movie about Indiana Jones, that moment would be pointless because you'd be like, who the fuck cares how somebody got yeah, a scar like, on yeah. his chin? Well, and like but in if Solo, you, if you when know he has a scar him. on his chin, you yeah. might enjoy the little moment that explains it. I think really what it matters about these things is. It depends on how much they, like, it shouldn't be given too much space. It shouldn't be given too much importance. It should just be kind of glossed over. I love it when things happen organically that kind of, uh, when it's done beautifully, it can really be amazing. But I think most of the time it's just kind of clumsy and Mm -hmm. it honestly will be the most ham-handed thing about about a prequel often is those moments. Like when it slows down to say... You know, like, like, hey, remember this? Yeah, yeah, because they're they're saying, hey, remember this, and then also, if you think about the people that say to watch it in story order, you're not remembering anything because you don't know it yet. Yeah. So they're they're setting up something that later you're like, well, I didn't really care about that. Yeah. I didn't think about how someone was named. People just have names. Why do I have to watch this moment? You know, it. I don't know. Now I, it sounds yeah. like I hate all prequels, but. I, I no, guess I, I think, just I think you're I, right, though. I don't like the concept of watching it I, in story well, no. order. Watching it in chronological release order I think... is the only thing that makes sense because it's the only thing that makes the prequels have value to me. It is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. During the battle, Rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the, the Death, Death Star, Star. All caps, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pursued by the Empire's sinister agents, Princess, Princess Leia, Leia, who's she? Guess we'll find out. Raises home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom galaxy now that sounds like a story yeah maybe it's just because i'm thinking about the movie that actually that's the beginning of but, but that's a, like that's more an interesting than trade disputes and yeah. senate stuff yeah i was four years old when i saw that movie and it definitely made an impact on me i remember coming in early like it was we were already into the movie it was one of those times where we just showed up at the theater at so i feel like my dad did this sometimes. He would just kind of just like showed up at the. He would movie. just show like, up, or he would have the time wrong, or oh, something, yeah. and so you would like go like, in What's to the movie and be like, "Oh," and then later we would we would hang around to watch the part of the movie that we'd missed, you know. And then it was like later when I saw Star Wars the second time, I was like, "Oh," <laughs> but the first time through, I think I just had it in my mind that it was cool, and I I remember someone had given me action figures. My uncle gave me a Tusken Raider and a Stormtrooper, nice. and I had not seen the movie, and neither one of them looked like good guys. But if you were going to pick yeah. the good guy, the the Stormtrooper looks more like a good guy than the Tusken Raider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I remember playing with those figures, like wearing them out before I had even seen 
seen the movie. Like, I think by the time Empire came out, mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, episode five, to anyone who hasn't heard of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think I was much more, by that time, I was fully engrossed in it and into it. And, yeah. like, I loved you, you Han Solo. You had a couple of years to, like, Vader was marinate bad. Yeah. Star Wars. It yeah. was like, I, I knew it then. But I think up to that point... Probably I was seeing some revival or something of A New Hope or Well, they probably, re- I think they re-released they it like yeah. multiple times in the theater. Because I think like, I saw it like later and had much more of a grasp of it. You it couldn't just more... like watch it whenever you wanted to yeah. like we can now. Yeah. I was I was in fifth grade, which would have been the year that um, uh, uh, Return of the Jedi came out mm-hmm. in 83 when, when, when Star Wars was, I'm pretty sure that was the year it was on HBO and that mm-hmm. was when, and it may have been before or after the movie was in theaters, but it may have been like might make sense that it it would hit HBO like and then a few months later maybe was the new movie was out in theaters but I remember yeah that was significant like I said before being able to watch it anytime you wanted was crazy I have one question and then something I wanted to say and I lost the second thing I don't have paper for you what's your question my question is as the two of you who saw the first trilogy original Mm -hmm. trilogy the first time around Yes. And were there when that happened, where I was just like fucking watching The Lion King, apparently, when all mm-hmm. that happened. I wasn't a part of it. I'm just curious was there anywhere near as much or any contention about whether the movies were good or not between the fans? Were the fans fighting with other fans? Like, I know it wasn't critically acclaimed at all, but were the fans fucking tearing each other apart no, back no. then with those movies the way they are now. You no. more had like factions based on like I was a Han Solo guy and a couple of my best friends were like Luke Skywalker guys. And so we would have a little <laughs> bit of a like who's cooler I feel like the, Luke or Han. The most yeah. heated it ever got was like whether or not you liked the Ewoks. Yeah. But that I was, was going to say uh, it wasn't until Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi was a Ooh, movie that reminded me of my that second a lot time. of people didn't okay. like. And I think that that was when I was a kid and I liked it. It took a while for me. A few years later I realized Oh, even people my own age that were Star Wars fans didn't like that movie as well for whatever reason, you know. Mm-hmm. And I can st- I can see from the movie making standpoint that why people are not as crazy about it. But I I've always felt like that movie. I like the story. I like the characters. A lot of really important shit happens in Return oh, yeah. of the Jedi. Yeah. It's got and it's, the best and it's, space and it's battle. Well done. So it's like I love that movie. Space but battle. I can agree that it is maybe as a movie. If if you were coming out of it, if you wanted it to be more like Empire Strikes Back or have that mood or that atmosphere mm-hmm. or something about that almost like maturity or something. Yeah. I, I think that I could see how someone was disappointed, but it took forever for me to realize mm-hmm. that the Ewoks in particular yeah. put a lot of people off because they were cute and because it yeah. seemed like they're trying to sell toys. Now, of course, that seems ridiculous to say like, this is so crazy. They're trying to sell toys with <laughs> yeah. the Star Wars movie. Like I like when you work a little cuteness into something. Yeah. And I think Star Wars has always been good about giving you that little dose of cute mixed yeah. in with stuff. So to me, it didn't hurt my feelings, but I was 10. I might've been like at the perfect age for each Star Wars movie as it came out. Yeah. Because yeah. when I was 10, I was not opposed to the idea of an army of teddy bears yeah. like winning. I was like, cool, you know. I got a good for that. They're fucking yeah. ruthless. Yeah. They are cold-blooded. Oh, yeah. They were going to cook and eat our yeah. heroes. Let's yeah. not forget. Right. Yeah, they're pretty vicious. Yeah. They, your... like, murder someone, and then they're like, yay. <laughs> My other thought was that I feel like you get mad at me. Not really mad, but you get mad at me when I don't remember which movie's which? I do have a reaction. I know which one A New Hope is. Yes. But you. But in yes. my mind, I don't know which other fucking ones are the other ones. I don't know Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back. I mix them up constantly. Yeah. This, this, so in my yeah. mind, 
And even with the new ones, like, I don't remember. Even with the prequels, I don't remember. The fucking titles of them, I just don't remember. I remember by what happens in them. So with the original trilogy, the way I call them in my brain is the first one, the one where nothing works properly, Mm -hmm. and then the one with the Ewoks. Yes. And I don't fucking remember. I mean, that's accurate. Which one's which other than A New Hope is the first one. This happens every single time. Every time you look at me like... Every time I watch the break of divorce. Every time we watch these movies, or every yeah, every time we watch these movies, or if I'm watching these movies or whatever, the galaxy is on the I'm, brink of divorce. I'll be watching Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> yes. and Becca walks in and says, "Is this Return of the Jedi?" And, and I'll go, "It's like, ooh, I got it right this time." Yeah, she'll be like, "Is this Return of the Jedi?" And I go, "No." <laughs> or it'll be like I'll talk about Ewoks, and you'll say, "That's Empire Strikes Back," and I'll say, "No." <laughs> you're hurt. I'm like, what are you doing to my heart? Him. Didn't you see what you're doing to him? Becca? I'm you're trying. Him. I'm yeah. trying. I I'm so confident that I know the answer. I'm always fucking wrong. Oh, but it's it's funny though. That's all I wanted to say about that. <laughs> well, maybe reading these crawls is going to help you remember. It might. Um, let's say the one one last thing I'll say about A New Hope uh, is that because um, that's what we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Of course, is, uh, but it is. Um, that it is the only self-contained one. Like it's the it really only is. one that, if nothing else Absolutely. ever happened, it I has an ending. It would have been enough for my yeah. imagination to spin off from, but it would have felt complete. And so, yes. Empire Strikes Back really is, in the truest sense, a sequel. It's mm-hmm. it's what you come up with when you didn't necessarily know you were going to do more, yeah. and you come back and you come up with more. Now we know Lucas had a general storyline in mind, but I think this is where we get into that whole thing of there being no real plan for the original trilogy either. Absolutely. And it was perhaps a bit more integrated than than the new trilogy but there's nothing unique about the new trilogy not being made that's, that's the to argument i give to point. like whenever people say like well they didn't plan any of this out i'm like well they, lucas they didn't, didn't plan it lucas originally didn't plan any, yeah you cannot tell me if you watch the original trilogy in the first movie luke and leia are not related and darth vader is not luke's father in the second movie luke and leia are not related in the yeah. third movie suddenly they're related it's just like he'd made that shit up as he went along mm-hmm. i don't care if he had a broader stroke plan from beginning to end, fine, I'll buy that. But like, he did not have those pieces. Like, it's it's obvious. Like, you 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 don't have to be a smart person <laughs> to watch those movies and be yeah. like, well, duh. Like, Vader is a. Well, I think even he like, would say that. I think. He, I don't think he would. Well, he I ha- think he would have. He ha- I think well, yeah. he did a while ago. He has since Because none changed. of them thought that it was going to fucking yeah. work. They didn't think it was going to work. Yeah. I don't know. I've read enough Carrie Fisher no, biographies, yeah, you're right. several of they them for some reason. Work. Where they did like they were convincing George, like, yeah, this is good. Yeah. This will go well. Yeah. Right. And he was not convinced. You know? Yeah. I think he he was doing what he was doing, but I don't think he fucking knew what was going to happen. No, he definitely didn't. I, I don't really think they oh. were planning for number two because they didn't think number one, they no. didn't think, he didn't think he was going to pull it off. Yeah, a lot of people de- definitely and then didn't what he did, it was like, okay, off. fuck, what next? Um, another funny thing that uh, that you made me think of with like the selling toys thing mm-hmm. was another like complaint um, you hear these days with these movies is like every time something new is introduced in the movies, like oh why did they redesign the ship? Like oh why did they do th- like oh the oh it's a new version of this. Oh it's a new version of that. I've, especially I was talking to my brother about this. So my my brother 
weirdly has this weird life that he lives now where he's friends with all of the dudes from ILM who made the first Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. he just knows these guys and he's friends with them. So he has all these insane stories and he knows all this fucking detail that, like, you would never know. And he talks to them about, like, obviously all this shit because he goes out to L.A. and just, like, hangs out with the people who, like, built the fucking Death Star and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about this and we are and I was just saying, like, this is a... This is a, a argument that has no weight to say like oh it's so dumb that they like redesign the tie fighter it's like go back to every single star wars movie like the first star wars movie comes out and then the next one they had new ships yeah and then the next one they had new sh- like they just kept putting new stuff in each one because it was cool <laughs> like because well, also- they wanted to put like more cool stuff in and they wanted to also sell new toys like the fucking b-wing doesn't exist until jedi like, they introduce a new thing in every single movie, specifically because it's a cool new thing, and also specifically so they can sell toys. Mm-hmm. Well, and thinking about reality for just one second, they release a new version of every car mm-hmm. every year. They release a new version of every phone every year. <laughs> yeah. It's not unprecedented. Yeah. Technology changes oh, yeah. rapidly. I would think Starship technology oh, yeah. <laughs> would also change fairly the rapidly. The whole like, oh, there's a oh the the resist like the resistance, you know, uh, uh, X wing and Y wing and A wing and, and like they're all their d- designs are slightly different. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what you're saying. It's like, oh, why are they changed? Like, because they built a new version. It's been yeah. thirty years. Like. There's manufacturers. Mm-hmm. People are yeah. manufacturing these vehicles. Like, it's just new well, versions. Well, and they go into that on Cantobite with do. all the war profiteers, yes, they do, basically. Which I really like that part of it. Yeah. The only thing that doesn't make sense is when you go into the prequels, which is 30 years before, and everything somehow is better looking. It yeah. looks newer and shinier. And fuck you, George Lucas. <laughs> that doesn't make all any right. sense. We don't need to go back to the prequels now. We've passed that. It's just bad storytelling. I know we're kind of at the Empire Strikes Back point in this. Can in I the read the crawl? Trilogy. I was going to give we, you the yeah. crawl. Ooh. This is the crawl for episode five. Yes. I got the best one. Yeah, this is the one that most people pick as the best one. Oh, this really? This is Empire, yeah. and this is the one where all the stuff is broken. Yes. Okay. I will try to remember that for next time. Um, Probably <clears> also <throat> the Star Wars movie with the most sexual tension or sexuality of any kind. It's just because that's when Han and Leia are having their... Oh, their yeah. screwball romance thing, but it's like that's that scruffy looking nerf herder. Yeah, yeah, and like kissing on the ship, and her saying "I love you," and him saying "I know," all that stuff. I'd rather kiss a Wookiee. I can arrange that. Yeah. He could use a good kiss. Yeah, he's <laughs> the best. It is a dark time for the rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of freedom fighters led by Luke Skywalker has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil Lord Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, has dispatched thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. Dot, 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 dot. I think it's four dots. Dot, 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 dot. It's that ellipses and a period that, he's, <laughs> that Star Wars is famous <laughs> dot, for. Dot, 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 end. So then that's got the probe droid going down to Hoth. Yes. And that, yes, this is the everything's the, broken chapter. The most inter- yeah. I, I find the most interesting part of this entire crawl is Darth Vader obsessed with finding young Skywalker. Yeah. That's interesting because like after watching the first movie, you wouldn't think that that's a thing. Like obviously that goes into him being his son. Mm-hmm. But like that's a cool thing to read, I think, in the crawl that Darth Vader is obsessed with. 
with finding this one dude well, who I, blew up his space station. I think it's interesting to note that because when I thought about talking about it through the crawls anyway, I was thinking about like how much new information do they add in the crawl? Like how much does the crawl oh, a lot, like, tell you new information? And it, sometimes it can kind of seem like it's setting you up for a whole new chapter, but this really is so piggybacking off of the last one. And mm-hmm. we have to think about this is really, even though this is the fifth movie we've gotten to, it's the first time they did that. It's the first time they had to say this opening crawl is going to connect people between the end of the last mm-hmm. one, the medal mm-hmm. ceremony at the end of the first movie, and where we begin. Like people, for people to not be wondering, wait, what planet are they on? Why are they there? What's going on? All that stuff. Like the opening crawl is there to yeah. sort of say, here's what happened since last time. And it doesn't always link you directly, mm-hmm. but it is interesting that what that gives you is that little bit of information that tells you that they're still on the run. The Empire wasn't fully vanquished. What's really interesting, I think, is just the crawl to the first movie, A New Hope, because it was the first Star Wars movie ever. And it was the first thing anyone ever saw. And so yeah. the opening crawl of New Hope is really like jam packed with exposition. Like it tells you so much shit that you need to know that you never knew before. Yeah. And then funny enough, like the entire opening crawl of A New Hope is just um, Rogue One. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just the, yeah. <laughs> it's just the movie Rogue One. Right. But I mean, that's an interesting thing to say. Like you're right when you haven't seen anything yet to say, here's how we set you up for this world mm-hmm. versus here's how we catch you up to the point where you need to be right now. Mm-hmm. Because I think each movie... And something I like about the Star Wars movies is they, outside of the the link between seven and eight, there's not this sense of like a cliffhanger. There's not this sense of picking up exactly where the last one left off. Yeah, that's the only move. That those two are the only ones to ever just be like, 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 completely continue from where we last saw them. Yeah, because there's always been. I, I think it's like a year, right? It's usually mm-hmm. like a year between each movie. I think actually in the prequels, it's a couple of years. Yeah, but in the first original trilogy i'm pretty sure it's like a solid year Mm -hmm. between each movie because shit happens like luke becomes a jedi between empire and jedi you don't see him become a jedi and at the beginning of of the empire it's like han is basically saying i gotta get out of here i gotta take care of this shit before i had to take care of it before and i joined up and i you know i helped save the day and i've been flying around with you guys but it's like you get a sense that he's He's back in the same situation he was in before, mm-hmm. but he's or he still hasn't dealt with the Java like situation. It's yeah. But it's yeah. like it's been a he's year now. I've been yeah. running around. He's got a brace yeah. on his head. Yeah. yeah, and I think that it's Bounty's interesting that, thing to live with. that they kept that. You know, but that's Is a that good a line from the movie. Anyway, that, that whole idea, though, I do think it's interesting that you don't need too much. Like, it doesn't say, remember last time? It's not like a previously on. Mm-hmm. It's, it really is like setting up a whole new story. And that's yeah. why I think it feels like a true sequel, because it doesn't pick up with, like, here's the dangling thread from the last movie. The only real dangling thread is there was the Empire and the Rebellion, and the Rebellion still hasn't, like, gotten a purchase. Yeah. That, like, they still don't have a planet that they can stay on for very long. They still don't have enough people that they can really stop and fight. They have to kind of be on the run. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. You yeah. Know? And to suggest, yeah, that Luke is... I mean, it's interesting, just thinking about Empire Strikes Back, how little you knew. I mean, that opening scene with um, Luke out in the in the ice and he gets captured by the wampa and we see him use his force powers and all that kind of stuff like there's little bits and pieces that are really telling you oh he's learned a few things since the last oh, time yeah. we saw him but he's still nowhere near what like what will, we will come to understand a jedi is capable of in either uh the, the new trilogy or in the prequels which we hadn't seen yet but that's know? why i love that scene in the wampa cave where he gets a lightsaber with the force because it's like oh shit yeah <laughs> like that's new like 
you haven't been able to do that before. Like, all we saw him do in the first movie, force-wise, was just, like, not use the targeting computer and blow up the Death Star. Yeah. But he didn't, like, do anything else. He just, like, turned off his heads-up yeah. display. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then, like, all of a sudden, he's, like, moving shit with his mind. And you're yeah. like, ooh, that's... And then, like, later with Darth Vader, like, when he's fighting Darth Vader, he can jump and kind of do all sorts of crazy So those shit. are force powers, right? Like, that's a new force power. Yes. We didn't see Obi-Wan or Darth Vader do anything like that. They so all we they saw in the first movie across... was the mind trick. Mind trick. That's really, and like lightsabers. Yes. But that's basically it. Oh, it's interesting to track that because I do think people talk a lot about the new movies just throwing in force powers left and right. And I, it doesn't really bother me that much. Because they've always done it. But I, I think it's cool to think of some new thing we haven't seen yet. You know, yeah. like, and I think particularly the new movie actually does some neat things that I'm like, I guess you could argue that they're overpowered. But I think as we, if we look into it, especially if we look into the force powers as in the, in the, the, through the filter of what we've learned on the Mandalorian, that like, there are some limits to what you can do with your force powers, you know, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen all that crazy. We haven't seen like at the time we watch, if we watch these movies in story order, you've seen Jedi's doing flips and jumping around. Yeah. If we've watched these in release order, then Luke making that lightsaber fly to his hand is the coolest thing we've seen a Jedi do yeah. yet. You know, it's, it's like mind blowing. You're like, Whoa. Right. And later in the movie, we're going to have Yoda lifting the, mm-hmm. the lights and the, the X wing up out of the swamp. And we're going to have the levitating rocks and stuff. It's, it's just hard for me to remember that once that seemed like, wow, look, at what they can do with the force whereas now you kind of take that for granted the levitation almost seems like ben kenobi would have been levitating things around yeah in the first movie but he wasn't you know hayden christensen's just like moving pears around i know (laughs) super exciting if you can slice a pear in thin air (laughs) you will believe a man can slice a pear (laughs) natalie portman will pierce it with a fork and take a bite of it it would be very realistic that's so sexy that is (laughs) romance young love um, so for you at this point, you were maybe watching the special editions. You said you saw them after the prequels. So at this point, you were seeing the ones with the new effects. And I no. So I saw the original trilogy on VHS. Okay, which um, makes me very happy. <laughs> so I saw the first two prequels, and then I saw the original trilogy on VHS with a guy that I dated for two days. Mm-hmm. And in the course of those two days, we watched all three original trilogy movies on VHS. So like a day of your two days. Yes. And then he turned to the dark side. The second day didn't go great for him. <laughs> you turned to the dark side. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so yeah, the, the first time I saw the uh, original trilogy didn't have any of the fucking garbage in it. I yeah. don't know... I don't think it was until I met you that I saw the yeah no. shitty um, whatever it's You're right called. Because extended nice going, John. Whatever. <laughs> no, no. She's right because they <laughs> but rem- that's all that was around because he took his VHSs back, I remember, which is fair. I remember your reactions to watching Star Wars, like the special editions and all yeah. the, just the bullshit that's in it. Just like, ugh, like what? Like, what is this and why is like, this? God, it's, but my favorite part of the entire special edition is the Return of the Jedi, uh, Jedi Rocks uh, sequence with the... Yeah. With the guy. Is that the band? The band, yeah. That guy. (laughs) This is the most egregious. Like, why? Why? Yeah, I would say Empire Strikes Back, though, was one of the least affected by the... Like, it had the least 
it yeah additional stuff that that took it mm. out of its maybe because it's one of the better shot of the movies it looks really good still yeah like star wars the first one they added in like the jabba stuff that just looked really shitty Ooh. ew when he like steps on his tail yeah. and it's just like it doesn't yeah. fucking the make ja- sense the jabba stuff that's just like all the extra most icely stuff bums me out like just the droids like <laughs> yeah and things walking just, around like, extra like critters weird... and like things yeah. zooming around yeah. it's just like a fucking assault to the eyes so so like tasteless do you know what yeah. i mean like crass to do that it just well, and there's a, well, and to think that he was sitting there all those years going i want to do that do you know what yeah. i mean and that he was like this is this is it finally this is the way I want to be. and yeah when they get to Mos Eisley and he's like a wretched hive of scum and villainy and then there's just like a bunch of stupid fat animals that are like it looks real scary here yeah like an amusement park it's really and it's like a fucking petting zoo yeah and there's another added weird layer of for for us who like grew up on it and watched it over and over and over again for years of like there's a weird gaslighting element where you're like at a certain point you're like wait wasn't there a wolf man in the cantina <laughs> like i feel like there used to be a wolf man yeah. am i crazy and then like you realize no no there was a wolfman. Yeah. He was replaced by a Jamaican iguana. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, there's just other and shit. And that is a much more sane yeah. sentence. Obviously. <laughs> and there's just other shit. Like, there's things, there's the craziest stuff that he changed that you didn't even think was changed. Like, why would you change? Right. And that's the stuff that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, the uh, Obi-Wan's introduction when he scares the Tusken Raiders off, he makes a weird, like, like, ooh like call and it's a i can't remember it's crate dragon or something like that he makes a dragon call and it's he's making he is making like a bird call basically but it's a bird call of a dragon that no one's ever seen because it doesn't exist because it's a thing that doesn't exist it's just a thing in star wars but it's a it's enough that george lucas had to change it i think like five times like it has been the thing that has been changed the most and oh, is it every single uh, time New Hope has been released since 1997, he has changed that to the point where now, if you watch it, if you want, if you like went to watch it on Disney Plus, the McClunky version, when Obi Wan comes in, he's just like, <laughs> like it echoes and it's <laughs> it's <Christ>. so crazy. <laughs> it's like what like what does that serve you, George, as a person? Like why did that? Why? Everyone's going to know that's what the dragon really sounds like. I know. Now that we know more about dragons. I read in the book that they make that sound. It was spelled out phonetically. (laughs) McClunky, by the way, is like my new favorite thing in the entire world. Yeah, I, I can't believe that. Did you see it? I haven't seen it, but I can't believe it's it. It's hilarious. I can't believe they fucked with it again and did something weird with it. It is so, and it's also like... I talked again. I talked to my brother about it. It's not even like a. I thought it was a new shot, like like more footage that they never put in. It's not even like that. It's just they took the same shot from before of his little Rito mouth like moving <laughs> up and down, mm-hmm. and they just punch in. Yeah, and they just added someone going Maclanki, <laughs> and it's <laughs> it is it's, it is baffling. It's, my thought was was that if you hadn't told me that was gonna happen you would have i never would have fucking noticed, noticed a difference yeah. i don't remember word for word what alien thing he says i would have just watched it and been like yeah i guess he always says mcclunky <laughs> 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 so, 
uh, they also the chose. What I know. I feel like the funniest <laughs> phrase possible. McClunk, like just. I think that's what it is. That is a terrible, like dying word. Yeah, be like you said, should do be or something <laughs> yeah. like that. You know, it just doesn't. Do be. It's your last <laughs> word. Because like I can't think of another. I can't. Bow, bow. <laughs> I can't tell you a single <laughs> other like word that Greedo says in his language. I yeah. can't think of it. But it's just like the single phrase McClunky. I know it doesn't sound like what he said before, but I don't. I don't know what he sounded he like before. I, said I mean, I can't remember man. his voice, but I don't remember his words. Oh, shit. It's not like the Jawas with like, Utini, where yeah. it's like, I yeah. know they say that, you know. Um, but so, yeah, Empire didn't get changed much in that special edition. It had like a few yeah. shots of Cloud City, like out the windows. There's more going on. There's a but lot it of wasn't Cloud overdone. It wasn't the... like there's weird. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. no yeah. animals walking. like yeah. dancing around. Yeah. Or... There's extra Wampa stuff, but even the Wampa stuff was kind of cool. Like, And it felt like they restored some stuff that was written before it, it felt like that felt like they like i remember there being a little bit more with the wampa in the comic and in the novelization yeah. well and like i read the, that when the, i was a kid but like i think that sometimes sometimes they it felt shot. like th- they worked things that maybe were they wanted to do before and couldn't yeah mm. they shot a lot of wampa stuff for empire strikes back cut all of it because it looked so stupid because like they built they built <laughs> yeah. wampa suits and the dudes kept falling over <laughs> and like it just even when they didn't fall over it was dumb because like the uh the forearms were like extended and mm-hmm. it just really looked like big stupid suits like yeah because there's that there's an entire subplot during the hoth evacuation where c-3po yeah takes the sign off a door is like says danger wampas he takes the sign off a door and then the stormtroopers come in they open the door and like wampas kill stormtroopers but the raw footage of it is so hilarious and dumb looking because it's stormtroopers and then just like dudes and giant wampas go like, Meh. I don't <laughs> like, I don't like C-3PO <clears throat> taking a sticker off a door either. Like to that, me, that feels like also, a really yeah, stupid plot thing. You know, like that kind of like corny. Like why would 3PO ever do that? He would a hundred percent be doing what he's doing in the movie. That's which against is, protocol. He would just be yeah. going like, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> Wait for me. <laughs> Hold on, R2. I know how to fix their little red wagon. <laughs> for now, since we're kind of talking, I do think it's interesting. Return of the Jedi did not, I think it had a lot of those special edition additions, right? Oh, it had like it had a lot. Most. Well, let's get into that. Why don't yeah. you read us the. Uh, oh, it's right here. It's right here. I think it's, it's my turn. Back. Yes. The bottom one? Yes, the bottom one. Luke Skywalker has returned to his home planet of Tatooine in an attempt to rescue his friend Han Solo from the clutches of the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt. Little does Luke know that the Galactic Empire has secretly begun construction on a new armored space station even more powerful than the first dreaded Death Star. When completed, this ultimate weapon will spell certain doom for the small band of rebels struggling to restore freedom to the galaxy. Dot dot dot. The appropriate Am I going to have to actually go to the footage to see who's got a dot dot dot? <laughs> I think we need to check dot, dot, now. Dot, dot, dot. Super curious it's concerning now. me. Um, but okay, so Death Star Two. What do we make of that? Um, it's, it's funny because I, all I can think right now is again an anecdote I have heard secondhand through my brother of people who made these movies of like even the people who made these movies were like fucking another Death Star. Like even they were like, no, why? Like yeah. they didn't want. To do another Death Star, that was a fully George Lucas thing. Like, let's do the Death Star again, and like the people. Let's do the Death Star <laughs> yeah. again. And the people making it were like, "This is dumb." So yeah. like, even back in '83, it's uh, it's honestly it's a little refreshing to know that like even in '83, even the people making the movie were like, "Ooh, yeah." Like, 
something's amiss. Okay, but this is the echoes. And I, the reason I wanted to mention that is because that is something that Star Wars is known for. Lucas it's, has it's said before, echoing, yeah. it rhymes, the story mm-hmm. rhymes with itself, it echoes. What do we make of that? Because I think as we get into the sequel trilogy, we will see a lot of choices that work in that zone of it's going to remind us of things, it's going to echo things, it's going to be reminiscent of things, and you kind of let it slide because it's Star Wars. But as yeah. a storytelling decision, it's hard for me to separate from how excited I was to see this movie as a kid and how excited I was to see, like, oh, Jabba, and oh, they did, th- th- you know, like, Han's Han's not dead. I, I, I had to be convinced that he wasn't dead at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So the fact that he was back, and I loved Harrison Ford when I was a kid, um... So when I was a kid, I love, you know, there's a period in there where he bored me, but I think yeah. I'm back to loving him because he seems like a weird yeah. old grump now. I, I think that's cool. He phoned it in yeah. for like a decade yeah. or two. We saw Cowboys versus Aliens. Yeah. That was just upsetting. But I mean, honestly, The Force Awakens was like a resurgence for that character. But at yeah. this time in the saga, Han is kind of like... In, in, in Return of the Jedi, it's like he's a little bit of a – they saved his life so he could kind of stand around and sort of be – he doesn't have a lot to do. As, as interesting as Harrison Ford is, and he's got some good moments in this movie, yeah. it didn't occur to me until I was much older that this movie was making kind of bland choices uh, in some ways. Like I still love the movie and I still think it's got those moments and it's got that sweep that I enjoy, but it is like another Death Star. Mm-hmm. Han Solo's hanging around, but he's kind of just there. Lando's, yeah. st- now he's one of our heroes and he's just kind of there. I feel like it's already beginning some of the things that people complain about with the new movies, which is, as we've said, these characters that don't have enough to do, mm-hmm. actors who we like, but they're just kind of set dressing. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, tr- I'm not trying to knock this movie that I, that I really have a lot of affection for, but I can see how even at that point, some of the, some of the seams were starting to show on like how they put together these stories. And again, the evidence that maybe this wasn't planned out meticulously from the beginning. Here's a movie that gives you another, it's another death star. It's, it's bigger than the last one. Yeah. And you're supposed to go like, Oh, bigger than but the it last. Still does abstract the same fucking notion. Thing. Yeah. Right. The only thing yeah, I'll but, say, well, yeah. I think that's a really important thing to bring up when people act like, the original trilogy is like untouchable and everything else has to live up to that. Mm-hmm. It's like they're, they're fucking doing they a already, lot of the yeah. same thing. Mm-hmm. They already, they're, yeah. They're, like a lot of the things you complain about now have already happened. Mm-hmm. So yeah. why are like you holding it in such a like, different regard yeah. or like such a pedestal when, I don't know, just like a, being a little bit realistic about it and you can still love it, yeah. but to be a little bit realistic and, I'm like gesturing at the paper, like the movie's yeah. sitting right yeah. there. It's right there. But, but you know, but no. okay, so exactly. just, you're right. Hold on a sec. So Becca has been pointing to the paper that has the crawl for this movie printed on it as though it's the movie. The way that I will point to last week. I'm constantly yeah. telling, sto- telling a story right and being like, hey, I just last week, right, right over there. Right last over week. my shoulder. See, yeah. <laughs> over my shoulder. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's weird because like all of those things exist and then. I don't know if it's because it's Star Wars or because, like, I was a kid. Like, I let that shit slide. And, like, it's funny It's funny to also think of a time when, like, Return of the Jedi was the worst Star Wars movie. For, right. like, for, for well over a decade. Like, for a long time. Return when Ewoks of... could be the childish, stupid thing that makes this unwatchable for adults. Yeah. And like, we haven't even imagined my, Jar Jar yet. Literally, you know? yeah. my, like, my entire childhood. Like, I was born in 84. I was born in 1984. So my entire childhood from 84 until 1999 was return of the jedi is the worst star wars movie 
Nub, uh, Yub Nub. Man, fuck that song. Like, I love that song. I, I love it now. I love it so much more. Is that the more. original one? Yeah. I love it so much more than the song that's at the end of the special. The special yeah, edition awful. song is like this world music kind of blah. Da, 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 yeah, it's just, yeah. I love Yub Nub. <laughs> yeah, Yub um, But yeah, like... Yep, no. for, for as, but here's the other <laughs> thing. For as much kind of bullshit as Return of the Jedi has going on, like Han's kind of, uh, he's a little more boring. He's got some good stuff, but like he is a little more boring. Like they're all a little, they're they're all like older. They're all a little more boring. It's the Death Star again. How it's, much time passes between those movies being released? Because they do look significantly oh, older. Three years. It was three, three years for okay. each one, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Um... I feel like time hit some of and them I, pretty hard. Well, they, some of them did more drugs. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other thing I is, I think like, Return of the Jedi was, like, the lowest point for, for Carrie Fisher. Like, I, I think, think she, so. she doesn't that remember, she's, like, She's very it. underweight, and I don't know if she was stressed about being in that awful... Well, they did tell or... her to lose weight as soon as she signed on to being in those movies. That's so creepy. Yeah. And like the, they refused to let her wear a bra and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. Like there's l- no bras in space. Yeah, so stupid. So um, stupid. I'm pretty sure Return of the Jedi is the one that Carrie Fisher, like for real, does not remember filming. Yeah. But I do think that movie kind of walked a tightrope with her character as far as like, are you kind of wrecking her character by putting her in this bikini and by having her sort of be this... You know, but then she kills Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, then yeah. she ends up she, killing, like, strangling him with the she's chain. She's in the right. bikini, but like she still kicks a lot of ass. Yeah. Like, so... Uh, like, no, it's such a mixed bag. Like, I remember reading somewhere that she gave Daisy Ridley the advice, don't let him put you in a yeah. metal bikini, yeah. you know? But it's... Uh, and like, and I... Which I, makes me sad to think that she was doing that going, okay, I guess I'll do this, you know? Like... Yeah. It's weird. The Je- Jedi is also weird because... Uh, we were just saying this because we watched him recently. But Jedi is kind of unique in that it's like three completely separate movies. Like, the three acts of... Return of the Jedi feel like just three, like, not, not, not connected movies, but it's like the entire first act is just tattooing Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. The, the entire second act is like Endor, Ewoks. And then the third act, like, there's Ewoks and Endor, but like it's the whole like climax space battle. Yeah. And it feels a bit disjointed. It's it, it, mainly that it's weird that it's just like they devoted so much time to. Uh, rescuing Han and this Jabba the Hutt thing yeah. that that has no bearing on like once like, that's done on, it's like, like yeah. a reset on yeah. the Emperor yeah. like the Emperor's in that movie yeah and the second Death Star like all that mm-hmm. shit has nothing to do it's 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 strange it's fine like I still love that movie but it's an but interesting then there's thing. another thing that nerds could have complained about if you made that part too short the yes. way that nerds were complaining about Snoke mm-hmm. and like you introduce Snoke and then you just kill him why wasn't there more Snoke but then if yeah. there was more Snoke, we would have been like, why the fuck is there so much Snoke? He doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, I think Snoke would balance. have been the... It is a balance. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's a balance and it's just also... Just like the Force. It's also just right. the, the, the the age that we live in now is just messed up. Like, there's just too much... People know too much about movies and how movies are made and everything that goes into making a movie. And there's too much... Um, uh, uh, there's, there's just too much, like, hype. And there's too much um, trying to figure everything out. Like the whole Ray's parentage thing. Even J.J. Abrams was like, oh, I didn't think anyone was going to give that much of a shit. Like, I left it as a thread, but I didn't think that they were going to, like, hold on to it the way that they did. Like, Mm -hmm. after Force Awakens, people were obsessed with knowing who Ray's parents were. And J.J. Abrams was like, oh, that wasn't intentional. Like, I did not mean for it to be that big of a mystery. And the Snoke thing. That seems a little naive. I do. Well, I think it's naive just knowing how people are these days. Like, I don't think it's naive in like a movie making way, but like 
the way people are now with the internet and with fandom and like having to know everything and having to have all of the information and not being satisfied with any sort of open-endedness whatsoever Mm -hmm. it's just like it's put everyone in a cage like it puts creative people in a cage like Mm -hmm. you can't you can't please everyone you can't answer it the way that they're going to want to it's hilarious that like you were saying um people will say you know oh did they put too many star wars movies out you know should they have waited should they have done the what they used to do where they put out one movie and then you know take three years and make another movie that would have made things worse honestly that would have given them two extra years to wonder who the fuck race parents were <laughs> yeah and two extra years to figure out who snoke was so that by the time you find out snoke dies in the second movie they'd be like what the fuck i just wasted yeah. three years of my life well, see, i don't think snoke <laughs> would have died in the second movie if they had set out with a plan i Maybe, really think yeah. that was ryan johnson being <clears throat> subversive but I, I know what you're saying i i actually think the three-year gap with a plan might have worked out better for those people, like the people that are that need to feel like I'm excited to see a Star Wars movie and not like, oh, I just like this, so I'm gonna go see it, you know. But because I, yeah. I do think that the goodwill people have, we're about to get to that break here. We're between Return of the Jedi and well, the, there was a there was a prequel trilogy between we those. Talked about those it's fine. Uh, but yes, we've already talked about that. But as far as storytelling wise, the fact that like. The Force Awakens was the first new story we were getting in this world, and it was yeah. after this happily ever after that return of the jedi represented that was one of the better in my mind one of the better happily ever afters you ever get at the end of any movie is is uh where you should have had yub nub but like <laughs> it's just forever. it's like everybody's together they're they're cheering they're hugging it's like that felt like such a big thing that I, I remember i think it was mark hamill who said when he heard they were thinking about doing more that he said that that was the thing that gave him the most pause was like are we going to take away this happily ever after that has stood for this amount of time? Like whatever the prequels were to people, it didn't mess with the ending, you know? Uh, so yeah, the Mandalorian, we've, we finished season two of the Mandalorian. Now we've all had the privilege. Thank you, Jonathan and Becca for coming, coming back. Thanks for having uh, us. Guys. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> giving talk us about this, um, yet another moment to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> I'm not being a dick either. I love talking about Star Wars. I mean, honestly, every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, without getting into too many specifics about plot, let's just talk a little bit about Mandalorian so far. And also like, how does Mandalorian stack up to the movies? I love it so much. I love it. I love it so much. Like, I, I I, feel like this is a sacrilegious thing to say as, like, a Star Wars fan. Although, like, what does that even mean anymore? But, like, right. I honestly think that The Mandalorian currently is better than a lot of the movies. I think in some ways it pays off the promise of Star Wars more than another yeah. movie does. Yeah, you were talking about how you... Um basically thought this did like a more successful job than the sequel series. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they can make another movie that's more like this. That's as good as this. And I I don't think they can make a movie that's as good as this. I just don't feel like Star Wars fans can allow the movies to be as successful as the TV shows are now because it just feels like it's even though there's so much more content in a TV series than just in a movie. um, I feel like they just have more freedom. They have more 
like creative freedom. They have a lot less pressure, like the fucking amount of pressure on the prequel trilogy, on the sequel trilogy or whatever. I always get things wrong, but the, the amount of pressure they put on any new star Wars since the seventies, it's destined to fail. Yeah. Even though there are a lot of movies in there that I love, um, I think it's just destined to fail on like such a huge scale. It's where, too big to succeed. Yeah, yeah. Like, where these TV series, they can—they're more like a dark horse that just become so incredible. Like, I did not give a shit about the Mandalorian <laughs> when I heard they were making a show about a generic Mandalorian. Could not have cared it's less. It's true. Um, I, I did you of, watch it? Did you start watching? I watched it without the entire me? thing without you. <laughs> I watched the entire thing without you. You saw a little bit of two of the worst episodes of the first season. Oh yeah. And by the time I finished. As we know how good it is, but like I finished the season finale of season one, and I was like, "You like, you have to trust me. You have to watch this show." And I think we watched the whole thing in like maybe a day. Yeah. Because like once you got into it, you were you were pretty hooked, and then yeah. you had the you had the reaction that I was like, I I was hoping and slash I knew you would have, which is like by the end of that first season, that last episode yeah. with like the with Taika Waititi's robot and like Aww. all that shit, you were like so in on it yeah and obviously there are there are fans like you guys there are fans way more insane than you guys that know everything about mandalore backstories and like all the shit and all the history and like everything leading up to it and you've seen also some of the like supplemental material and and just have like more of that knowledge going into it so yeah. then you get more excited about stuff like this when it comes up or there's it's like obviously weird... not all people like me that don't I'm like what's a mandalore is it a robot like I you know there's obvious there's more people going into it with expectations where I didn't yeah. have any but I still feel like it's less of a scale than the movies have it's just why I think that the shows are going to succeed a lot more than than movies mm-hmm. at this point I think that all that is so true in the sense that those stories that you it's like you can't slow down for certain moments certain characters that you would get a whole episode with on a show you know but I would say my, my whole excitement level was I think Boba Fett's armor is cool, and it's a live-action Star Wars show. We've been told we've, we're going to get for years. Like, right. We've been waiting for a Star Wars TV show for, like, what, like 30 years? I don't know. Like, they kept, they've been talking about it on and off for so long now. And it was originally going to be George Lucas doing a Star Wars and he TV supposedly, show. like, had written all these episodes. But anyway, so yeah. knowing that they were going to end, that Disney Plus was coming out, and that John Favreau was going to do it, and he's a film director, and it did feel like, to me, this was a chance for them to do something that sidestepped a lot of things. That now, actually, they're knitting things back into the main plotline in a way that feels like, okay, I can't really say that as much as I could after, say, season one, that, like, this feels like it's disconnected from the Jedi and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the characters we know. But I think that idea that you're getting to see shades of gray i think they did that with the sequel trilogy movies but i think they pay it off better in this show that you can spend time with a character who is uh you know a former imperial or you can spend time with a character who's kind of never had to decide what they think about that they're on the outskirts of things they they aren't they don't care about the rebellion any more than they do um uh the empire or the the jedi are kind of you know, it is still silly to me that everybody there's this possibility that people are forgetting that Jedi exist all the time. But the idea that people don't really talk about it all the time and yeah. it's not part of the main story and they're not whispering about the characters we know. I just think that that does open it up. And I think everything you were saying, Becca, is like that's why that works so well, is that they get a chance with a show 
to, it does take a little bit of the pressure off. I think you, there's a little bit of a loss of production value. And I do think the movies will have that extra bit of polish to the visuals and the effects that make it just look that much that much better in that sense. But as far as what they're able to do with, with the Mandalorian's look and feel and budget, like there's moments that feel so cool because of how offhand they are, because they aren't these big grand moments. Sometimes just a shot of a spaceship landing on that show will be cool to me because it's like they stage it in an interesting way. The camera's in a cool spot. It's shot like a real shot. You know, they always in Star Wars try to try to give a camera that feels like a real camera and not a make-believe camera. But I feel like that show get, puts you even more on the ground level of yeah. characters. I feel like there and, was a ship that landed or took off or it did something and you were like, oh, that's how it does that. But I don't remember what it was. <laughs> oh. Some ships, I don't know, its wings did something and you were like, oh. Yeah. Like they, maybe it was a new Star Wars move or something. They do, a, I mean, they do a ton of shit on The Mandalorian that's like that, where it's this, it's this stuff that we've spent, like, sometimes 30 years with. Um, and then, like, we'll see it in a, the tiniest new way. I'll be like, oh, that's it. Did we, I think we talked about, we talked about the ice cream maker last time, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it made it into the edit, but I think we did talk about okay. it. Uh, but, but like yeah. Slave One, for instance, which is Boba it might Fett's have, ship, oh, yeah, it that might have we been see that. a lot of in uh, the new season. Well, it's like we, we, we saw that, that in like, shots, but we never saw the interior. Yes. We didn't spend time hanging mm-hmm. out in there and People all that. sitting so, yeah. in it. Or like, uh, I think we at one point we were just like, oh, that's interesting. That's what the inside of... Because like Slave One's a weird-ass ship. It, yeah. It, it's bigger than you think it is. Well, it's huge, yeah. And it also like it lands horizontally and then it flies vertically. And like I always knew that... Boba Fett is in a little seat that kind of swivels. It's like mm. that the B wing kind of thing, like where a gyroscopic. It's like the thing. Yeah, it's a gyros- yeah gyroscopic. But then you see like the people sitting in the back of it, and I'm just like, how come all the blood's not rushing to like their ears <laughs> or something? Like I don't know. I guess that's, I guess it just works. Right. I don't know how the gravity works in any of those ships. That's true. Like we were saying that when we were watching it. Like whenever the, someone's in the Millennium Falcon, it always does like 500, <laughs> like yeah. flipping yeah, upside like, down. I'm like. How are they not all just like smacking around inside? Even like a good seatbelt. The only which time... it looks like it has shitty like school bus, basically yeah. lack of seatbelt. I only just thought of that. Where like I guess in the Falcon maybe they're strapped in, but like we get the they only ever gave us one glimpse of what it's like when the Falcons tumbling around, and it was uh, in the sequel trilogy where it like they do a little flippy flip, and BB-8 like. Because he's a ball, like yeah. he's like rolling up the side yeah. and had to like shoot all his stuff out to like <laughs> yeah. keep himself from falling. And I just thought like, oh, I guess everyone must be just strapped in and they must be like used to the G's. <laughs> uh, yeah. I How guess. are you not vomiting everywhere? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I guess that well, would I mean, be like, fun to watch. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Almost anytime you ask a question like that, you're like, that's so then would be watching a show where people are throwing up all the time. <laughs> I guess that's why um, Christopher Nolan doesn't make Star Wars movies. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but it's also the reason why stormtroopers don't have good aim. Watching Mandalorian, my son, you know, oh, like he loves Star Wars, so it's not like he's this, he's letting it ruin it for him, but he has hit on that whole, like, in, very recently, the whole idea of stormtroopers as, like, cannon fodder with shitty armor and, and bad aim. We've been joking about that I, a lot this season. The, the and at one point, he pointed it so out, much. and I said, well, Henry, yeah. th- what you're asking for is a show where the heroes die in, like, five minutes, <laughs> ah. in, and that's it. So it's like, you either get to have heroes that live, and it, I do think they do a good job of turning that into, like, a conceit. Almost a joke, they almost, do. but it it does make it silly in the world that stormtroopers only get off a good shot when it's going to be a plot point that someone got hit in a serious way, and their armor is terrible. It's, you know, it's armor like is... Halloween costume armor. It's literally yeah. if I walked into a Halloween store and bought stormtrooper armor, that's their armor, and right. it's just it's 
I just think it's a little weird, and obviously I don't want to see the heroes die, but it's a little weird that it's either that, like, they might as well be fighting children, or they're fighting completely indestructible, gigantic robot death troopers. Like, why isn't there a middle ground of, like, at least give them some, you know, army quality armor where they don't just get clipped in the shoulder and then they're fucking dead? I feel like but it's just one of those things that like that th- it, it would, but, yeah, I don't really care the, that much either. And I think much. that's the thing is like they would have to work a little bit harder in the writing and the staging of these scenes if they wanted the stormtroopers to be for shit when it comes to their military acumen, you know? Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like you just accept it allows it to be this simple good versus evil thing. I mean, when you've got a bunch of, re- of rebellion people, they, they're they dying left and right too. So it's not like they're invincible. It's just our heroes, our main characters have this armor on them. This plot armor, yeah, that 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 no bad guys have unless they are too significant, you know. My my personal way of justifying the stormtrooper thing has just been like, well, there's just so many of them; it would be impractical for budget reasons for them to make that much armor that's good. And then I think like that kind of makes sense when you think about the way like our own stupid government in real life actually works. It's like, well, yeah, they make the worst decisions almost all the time about this kind of stuff and they put the money in the wrong places. So like, I could see that. Like, But it just, it feels like they could accomplish with, <laughs> with like a couple heavy doors, what they seem to accomplish <laughs> with a bunch of stormtroopers on a yeah, ship, you know, just put another couple <laughs> of doors. It'll take them the same amount of time to get through it than oh, to man. get through like 30 stormtroopers. We, we've seen Finn in the sequel trilogy and we've seen um, uh, Bill Burr's character on this. Like, and we also know that Han Solo for a time was an Imperial. So we've seen enough of an indication that these are just regular people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it kind of takes, it makes the idea that they're dying left and right a little bit weird. It's even weirder that they're running around and like never hitting the broadside of a barn it, and then like yeah. getting shot once in their fancy armor. So it almost seems like the Empire uses the numbers of being able to throw people at the situation as their one tactic, you know? <laughs> It's like Zap Brannigan. Yeah. <laughs> through, through wave after wave of my own men at them. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I feel like that's even making a story excuse that's just not there. It's just it was they were con- they were poorly conceived in that one aspect. They were really just conceived to be like, aren't these guys kind of cool looking? And uh, yeah, they're going to die. And you're, you know. And you're not going to feel too bad. Yeah. They're literally called stormtroopers. We took the name from the Nazis. Like <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, we shouldn't like them. We shouldn't like them. Well, okay, so that's an interesting thing. We're talking a lot about it, and it does fit right in with this, with the original trilogy. Like, this one thing about the show that we haven't really said yet, I don't think, which is that one of the reasons people love it is because it reminds them of the tactile sensation, the vibe, the tone, the pace, whatever, of what we might call classic Star Wars. And I think the lack of pressure you're talking about, Becca, is a big reason why this show gets to be sort of, at least at the beginning, it felt like it was small. You know, now that it's involving some of these major players, it doesn't feel as small. Um but I don't know. I think that that's a big appeal of it is that and it's one of the reasons why these other shows they've announced. You think, well, if they can be their own thing, too, maybe we're finally going to get that thing that George Lucas always said he wanted to do, which was to open this saga up to different creators and different ideas. You know? Yeah, I think they're de- I mean, yeah, they're definitely doing that now, which is like opening the whole world up. And yeah, like we've been saying, one of the reasons I think Mandalorian works so well is because. People obviously love the world of Star Wars. I think the one big mistake they have made with like the movies is that they, they, they. I think they thought people love Star Wars because they love like the Skywalker lineage and like this thing. And it's like it's not that we love that. It's we do, but we also just love everything about it. Like it's a very captivating 
world. And so, like, we don't just need you to show us this thing that you know we love. Like, we do want to see just more of it. And that's really, like, The Mandalorian's doing that so successfully, which is showing us more of it. Like, even the first episode of the season, it's like, we got to see a crate dragon for the first time. We've heard about right. it for forever. We got to see it for the first time. And Timothy Oliphant. And Timothy Oliphant. Um, but, like... I, I think he's one of the greatest additions to Star Wars on this he's show. He's the greatest honestly. addition to anything really, that they put him in. I was hoping he was going to come back. Yeah. The only reason I don't want to see more with him in his job is because Tatooine is still such a hub yeah. of important stuff. I think one of the cool things about bringing Boba Fett back that they did was like, I was like, oh, so we're getting a lot more Tatooine now. And I guess we will now. Well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, but like, I think revealing that he had Slave One all this time was like, oh, well, shit, he's not stuck on Tatooine like I thought he was. He's 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 just like hanging out there probably because he's trying to track down his armor, but he's not like wandering the desert the way I thought he might be, you know? Same. Yeah. And it is interesting, like you said, where we don't necessarily need to see everything only involving the Skywalkers. Yeah. Um, we can just kind of zero in on the situations happening around them and how it affects actual people. Like, oh, I found this Mandalorian armor. I'm going to wear it and be the sheriff of this town. And Bill Burr, his character, and I think probably other characters say, you know, these people don't care if you're imperial or you're a rebel. Like, they're just here living their own lives. Like and like, as right. far as they know, Either you're way, killing you're everyone. Yeah, like, you're, you're still fucking their life up. You're a threat to their right. lives. Yeah. It doesn't matter which side of the fence you're on. There's all these other people here who also have lives that matter. So right. it's cool to, um, you know, focus in on new characters or old characters and creatures that I've never heard of because I'd never heard of a Kray Dragon before. But <laughs> being able to um, put that stuff more in the spotlight than mm -hmm. just um, all the, the only the only reason characters. I know you've heard of one, but I'm not expecting you to have remembered it, Becca. <laughs> so don't don't think I'm calling you out. But I, the only reason I know is because John has demonstrated the different calls of the crate dragon <laughs> that Obi Wan imitated. In, oh, in, in that's what that was. George Lucas has tinkered with so much over the years. And also, isn't that the skeleton <laughs> that R2 and C3PO yes. walk past? Yeah, it is. On on in A New Hope, which again, if you've seen that shot, you would <laughs> hey, be like, okay, this is an iconic up. shot. The fact that you've never thought about it, like I didn't think about it either. Either, and I always thought it was like a dinosaur. And then I found out at some point later, oh, that's called a crate dragon. But I didn't have that name in my mind until until it all knitted together yeah. in this episode. To be I fair, like, oh, I didn't know what a crate dragon was right. until the seventh time that George Lucas changed the right. sound exactly. of right. what Obi-Wan yeah. made to imitate a crate dragon. So right. now I have a question because I didn't remember it or wasn't really paying that much attention. Yeah. Does it make a sound in the Mandalorian? It does. And which sound does it match? I think which it matched the original one. Like, that's another thing I love that the Mandalorian does. It's just like, it keeps doing stuff where it's just like, no, like, we know what you remember. Like, we, we know yeah. what, like, you like, like and don't like about Star Wars. And, yeah. And they, I'm funny. pretty sure, I mean, I'm sure they probably made a new sound for it, like mm -hmm. a new sound mix for it. But I think the sound that it made at one point in the Mandalorian episode, and I'd have to watch it again, I feel like it most resembled like what I remember the original Star Wars movie sounding like when <laughs> Obi-Wan walked over the ridge, waving his arms and making that fucking <laughs> yeah. noise. The, the Whatever noise... the sound was, it didn't seem comical and out of place like the later like versions the of last, the last, like, yeah, the, yeah. the McClunky version. versions, if yeah. you will, the of the sound. Uh, By the way, um, McClunky. I was so happy when McClunky came up in the show. <laughs> 
I laughed so. I know. Hard. Okay, so I was I was going to say we'll talk about this in order a little bit, but I already mentioned Boba Fett. So let's talk a little bit about the post credit scene, but yeah. also let's talk about the um, fact that they brought him back the way they brought him back. I mean, in my mind. I think we talked about this in a text or something, Jonathan. I I did not particularly want Boba Fett to come back. I didn't particularly care Same. if he died like if he died like a chump in Return of the Jedi. I always thought he looked cool like everybody else. Yeah. But I always thought they paid forward the idea that he looked cool by saying, "Oh, he's not the only one who wore this armor, and you can have any number of people wearing this armor, and a lot of them could be cool." And there you go, you've got the armor. So Boba Fett was kind of an overrated guy yeah. who died like a chump, and I was okay with that, even though I think that. If they had had their unlimited budget, unlimited imagination, they might have written like an epic fight scene or something. But that was like there to take the place of a fight scene. You know, yeah. Han Solo kills him by accident. I agree. And, Which I, and like, and I do love that moment. Like, it's yeah, a I very love that good moment. iconic Han Solo moment of him going, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, where? Right. And then like accidentally kills him while yeah. he's blind. Like, but it also made Han sense Solo to moment. bring back that armor in the prequels and say, well, let's let's uh, show you somebody cool wearing this armor. And then they complicated it by revealing that he was a clone of his yeah. dad, who was the origin of all the clones. And it started to get really Ugh. further away. I was like, I really don't care this much about Boba uh, Fett. Yeah. And I know that there are books and comics yeah. and everything that tell the story of like him getting out and having this other life that happened in between like when they were making the prequels when there was none of this uh, mm -hmm. Disney era of the movie. So I know that there was a lot of Boba Fett mythology of him still being yeah, alive. Lots so of I say all that to say stuff. that I was almost opposed to it in theory. But then here's the way they do it on the show. What did you think of uh, Boba Fett, Becca, on uh, on The Mandalorian? I, um, and this is where my Star Wars background also kicks in, I didn't feel super strongly about it. So I was fine mm -hmm. with it. Um, but yeah. when, when it was happening, I had the thought like, wow, I wonder how like old school Star Wars fans will feel about it. Because to me, when I watched it for the first time, when I was like 15 or 16, I just thought like he's he's basically a background character. Yeah. He doesn't really do much. He doesn't really say much. And then he dies. Um, like, yeah. I guess his armor is kind of cool looking. It's really not even that cool looking. Honestly, it just looks kind of dirty. And dingy. Like, he just looks like a guy. Like, you, yeah. like not like a, You're like not a huge, like, the, the, oh my god, it's, it's, it's Boba Fett. It's not like It's he, like the Knights Templar look to the helmet, honestly, is what yeah, makes it different. Yeah, like, he's got I think the little, like, radio like thingy. It. And yeah. but, so I didn't grow up with, like, Boba Fett toys. And yeah. I didn't grow up with comic books and whatever else that fed into... Yeah. the um, mystique. Yeah, I, I didn't have any Boba Fett mystique. I just had, like... Why I remember talking to you about it and like people were upset that he he dies so stupidly and I was like why who cares like he he wasn't He's built, just a guy he wasn't yeah. built up to me in mm -hmm. like a fantastical kind of way it's not like I thought he was a piece of shit or anything i just thought like oh he's a bounty hunter and is and then he dies um so him coming back i i didn't feel like this is a mistake or oh i can't wait to see him right i just thought right. like okay neutral yeah, neutral. I felt yeah. neutral. Um, and that was Just it. Just like Boba Fett himself, you were capable of positive or negative thoughts on yeah. the subject. You were sort of a, <laughs> a, a neutral... I'm very Boba Although Fett I... in that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've... <laughs> I've always said that about you. <laughs> I, was, I was definitely interested to see like what Jonathan thought about it and like what you think about it yeah. as um, people who have more like kind of background or interest in that character and, and know more about it than I do. Like yeah, I'm sure right. you had Boba Fett toys growing up. Uh, I, I, I did a little bit 
Jason more so. My brother, mm. my older brother Jason, much more so, um, has that kind of attachment. But like, I kind of inherited that attachment. I mean, mm. like, I grew up with Star Wars. Well, and they just they made toys out of absolutely everything. Well, he even kind of started as a toy I, since he I did. was there yeah. when it all started. Like, he was a, he was a special literally that figure was his, like you could send off for. You couldn't buy them in, in the store, and I think yeah. he came out between. The movies, like your int- one of your introductions to this movie was this guy Boba Fett was going to be in it, and there was an action figure you could send off proof of purchase for, you know, which has get its it in own. six to eight weeks, mm-hmm. and it, and it, and it started off with advertised as he had a, lo- a rocket launcher on his back. Yep. And by the time they made the actual figure, they had deemed that unsafe, and so the lock, <laughs> the, thing, the thing that was it was like stuck, it didn't come out. But like, so you you had him set up to be this cool guy, and all you ever heard about him, the only two lines or something you hear about him are like how dangerous he is, and like Boba Fett, he's the bounty hunter the most fearsome one so they did only create mystique for him mm-hmm. that was the reason why people thought he was cool as well as the armor but I'm, I I think by the time Return of the Jedi came out it was like oh yeah he's not that he's not that cool and it's like well what was really cool about him would be oh if someone else could put on that armor and do cool shit and they would yeah. be cool you know that that's kind of what they did and so when the Mandalorian came out I was thinking like this is here instead of needing to bring back Boba Fett from the dead and so I didn't really need it but I thought he was a cool addition to the mythology of the show I don't know I'm not trying to uh, talk over what you might say, Jonathan. What did you think? No, so I was just gonna to, to add to the whole like background of Boba Fett. Like um, his his introduction was in the Star Wars Holiday Special. That was the first right. animated that the weird animated segment was the first time anyone ever saw Boba Fett. And then I think it was between the Holiday Special and Empire Strikes Back that, like you said, the action figure came out. Um, and and so yeah, for years there's like this uh like. Uh, like the story of like his rocket, like the the action figure rocket launcher not working when kids were told it would is like kind of like a legend at this point. Like by the time I was a kid, like I knew that about Boba Fett. Like oh, it was this thing that you would send away for, and then like they had to change it. And for years, I guess until I mean, I guess until what Attack of the Clones was Boba Fett the only person you ever saw in Mandalorian armor. I think, I, think there you knew, I think you knew there were other Mandalorians, and by that time there may have been there may have been like a novels or comics or something. But I don't yeah. know. I feel like by the time I feel like it was later. I feel like it was in that later wave of what became like the expanded universe because there was a Marvel comic that ran for years. Uh, and I honestly don't know if we got another Boba, F- another Mandalorian in that time. We may have gotten the idea that Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc. I feel like there was a comic about that. There's a lot. I mean, like there's a lot of expanded universe. I've never read any of it. I never read any of the comics or any of that stuff but i know like basically everyone who wrote a boba fett story after return of the jedi did the same thing which is well he climbs out of the sarlacc pit like oh he climbed out because he's a badass um but so like he he's steeped in for people who like did grow up with it he's steeped in this like you said mystique because he's the only person you ever saw in like this really cool fucking armor and it's just like mainly it's just really cool looking um the see the prequels, all right <laughs> it's like as an outfit it's cool looking armor yeah yeah it was early '80s, cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. And he's—I mean—he's got like a Wookiee braid on him. Like he's got all these trophies that are interesting. Like you, like you get these hints that he has this crazy backstory, but you don't know what his fucking backstory is. Then the prequel trilogy kind of ruins this mystique of right. Boba Fett for everyone, which is like, oh well, his backstory is that his dad was this dude who looked exactly like him and turns out Boba Fett's a clone and here here he is as a little kid. Also every single clone tripper is a Boba Fett. I'm like, hey, yeah. he's not that really he's not really that cool anymore. Yeah, but, I get it's not 
again, I don't yeah. dislike Boba Fett and his character in Mandalorian is fucking awesome. I love him. Um, right. But yeah, going into it, my experience with Boba Fett was, you know, not knowing any of the mystique, nothing about the toy, yeah. nothing about him being built up to be super cool, just exactly what you see in the movie. And then watching the prequels. With so, all the Django Fett shit. Yeah. So I went immediately from watching the original trilogy to watching the prequels because that's just when I happened to watch it. Yeah. Um, right. So you for did, me, you didn't it wasn't have, like, like that time. Yeah. To like, like sit there's with no it. real like build up of that character. You just seem like any other. Like there's like three bounty hunters or something. I'm like yeah. I don't know why I care about this one anymore than the, than the other ones. Hunters. How dare you forget about Dengar? Well. <laughs> Parted me all to hell. <laughs> Part of the reason you care about him is because he's the one that Darth Vader tells. He's the he's the one that Darth Vader tells not to do any disintegration. So you get the idea that he's the one who might kill the person. So you're yeah. a little bit more afraid that he might be the one to catch up to our gang because yeah. he's been told. He's also hey, the only we one know that talks. you you like to kill people, and also just the fact that he's the one that leaves with him at the end. He yeah. takes on this mythic. Importance. He's the one who so, like succeeds. I think we're actually saying our experience with him is just the same as yours. It's just ours is compressed because I did not have this. Oh my God, Boba Fett thing riding on this season at all. But I came no, out same. of this season going, oh yeah, I guess now I'm a lot more interested in what Boba. Fett might represent because he seems amoral at the end of the season like we he helps because he made a deal and then at the end he's got his armor back he's got his ship back he's got this really cool sidekick who I have to admit I'm more interested in than him in some way I'm very happy the two of them are teamed up because I want to see more of her I like that she's alive at least you know I was yeah. glad that they didn't waste her in one episode I've always Same. liked that actress and I think Fennec Shand is a cool name and mm -hmm. I think her her moral valence I'm curious about so the fact that they've announced this book of Boba Fett for next winter I'm very curious what that'll be but it's it's more Tatooine stuff He's back on Jabba's place. So it's like we're never getting away from that planet. But I honestly think Bye. what they can do with him now is cooler than what they could have done with him then. And frankly, I liked his monk look more than I liked him like combining his new look with the armor. I thought uh, that that guy looked cool with the bald head and the black cape and the, yeah. the Tusken Raider stuff on yeah. his back. I was like, this is a guy I haven't seen in Star Wars before. Um, and I thought the actor clearly was relishing a chance to play a kind of an iconic turn. Well, oh, and I, like as... As iconic as that armor is, now it it literally just looks like junk next to, like Din Djarin's <laughs> Mandalorian yeah, armor. Like it looks like this is made out of the same plastic they make stormtrooper armor out of. Right. You but, should probably get an upgrade now. I yeah. just kind of think that he that repainted feeds it at into, least. But yeah, you're right. I yeah. think it kind of feeds into his whole like, like vibe though, because it's like you kind of underestimate him because he looks yeah. like shit. But like, <laughs> but then he massacres people. Yeah. Like, so that's what I was gonna say is his. His reintroduction to Star Wars, it, it was great. First of all, first season, you see his little uh, stirrups walking towards Fennec Shan's dead body, which which a bunch of us were like, it's Boba Fett. And then it turns out it was Boba Fett, which is cool. Yeah. Then you see him in the... I was just like, who's that cowboy? Yeah. All right. And then, uh, and then his reveal at the end of the first episode... <laughs> I don't recognize episode, his spurs. This season was fun, and like no one knew if he was going to come back. When he did come back, what I felt like they did in that episode when uh, Grogu gets taken... We haven't even talked about how Grogu. Baby Yoda has yeah, a name now. I know. We're, we're going to get to the Baby but, uh, Yoda, the whole saga. That'll be our next topic. <laughs> the Baby Yoda <laughs> of it all. When he comes yeah. back in that episode, and there's like... A, this, that episode is a lot of action. Uh... Directed by Robert Rodriguez also, which was fun. Um, yes. Boba Fett did so much crazy shit in that episode that I felt like it was, like, I don't know how many years of the make. It was like they were finally paying off the stuff that you thought he could do. Like, all of, like, the little knee rockets, him, like, you actually using his antenna 
on his yeah. helmet, like using it practically. Like the stuff that he did practically was all the stuff that it, that some of us who like grew up with it as an action figure. That's what we did with the action figure. We we made him fly around. Like, we made him like you know lean down and like shoot his rocket out of his backpack and like do all this cool shit. And then you see for the first time ever. Boba Fett doing that stuff and it was like it was very exhilarating what happened to him in Return of the Jedi then must have happened on his like worst day ever because if this guy <laughs> is a badass it either happened in the eight years since he got swallowed by the Sarlacc or you know that was just a that was just a bad moment for him because I do think that's the only thing I thought that was kind of funny is like well they definitely gave him a competency upgrade um, I like it I think fan service gets a bad rap I do think sometimes Agreed. you do what, what people want to see because it's the most fun thing to do in a story a saga that's supposed to be fun, you know? So I think that's, I do think that's fan service. I do think in a sense they overcompensated for the thing that you and I are saying we had an investment in Jonathan and mm -hmm. that you're saying you didn't care about Becca, which is this idea of like, is Boba Fett cool or not? You know, this show has come down on the side of, yeah, he's cool. That was just, he slipped that day, you know? Well, but, and um, I really like that they do that thing where, yeah, they're, they're, it feels like they must have researchers or somebody or like people taking these little details of like, okay, let's look at his armor. He's got an antenna. What does it do? Let's make it do something now. Yeah. Instead let's finally of him do just, something with it. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of him just like showing up and like maybe repeating an old line or something, you know, that it's... that would feel like lazy fan service instead of like, all right, let's dig deeper. What else is there? What have we not seen him do that we can see him do now? So, yeah, it's the difference between uh, like taking Boba Fett and, and getting to see him do all the stuff that we either like knew he could do and didn't see, uh, or, or like you know like wanted him to do, it's a difference between that and then like R two D two having fucking uh, jet rockets in his legs for no reason, like spraying all the, oil at everybody. spraying oil. <laughs> At everybody, like uh, a million like, tricks that he um, never used later he when the situation was later. just as dire. Yeah. Ever. So it's like it's a difference between. Well, R two D two is a scamp. I mean, yes. he is a scamp, but yeah, like putting it lightly, he's a scamp. <laughs> when I watch Boba Fett do that stuff in the Mandalorian, I'm like, like you know, clapping my hands, like this is the best. When I watch R two D two do that stuff in the prequels, I fucking roll my eyes because I'm like, yeah. okay, you don't like he doesn't have to do that. Like, yeah, I already like R two. This doesn't make sense. Like, why does he have this stuff and then never... Like, it makes me start... Like, it takes me out of Star Wars. Whereas, like, mm -hmm. the opposite happens with Mandalorian where, like, I'm so into Star Wars when I'm watching it that, like, I honestly feel like a child. Like, a little, like, kid. I'm yeah. just, like, smiling. That last episode, holy crap. If the first episode of The Mandalorian revealed that it was also the Baby Yoda show and that, that it's been The Mandalorian and Baby Yoda show, and now we know we can call them Din Djarin, and Grogu, like we got to know them. We got to really love their bond. We could believe it's going to be a year before we come back to this story. So we could believe that we've seen the close of what was their story that like, you know, baby Yoda, Grogu is going to get trained and is going to get like, how much is this show going to continue to be the baby Yoda show? And how much are I they hope going for to a hundred years? <laughs> I do too. But here's what I think. It's like, okay, so at the end of the season, let's just, I'll put it in a sentence and we can like all let it hit us <laughs> at the end of the season, the conclusion of, uh, of the Mandalorian's quest to find like a safe birth for baby Yoda is that Luke Skywalker shows up, responds to the beacon, uh, and and takes Baby Yoda off to train at the ostensibly Ben Solo is there and is four years old right now back home. Luke's going back to the place, you know, that we know things went terribly south, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years later, whenever that was, that mm -hmm. that all happened. 
So it does put Grogu into, and by the way, if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, Grogu is the name that we found out is Baby Yoda's name. But he's also part of the greater fabric of Star Wars now. Like, yeah. Like, we know that he was at the Jedi Temple when all the shit went down in Revenge of the Sith. We know that someone spirited him away. Like, we know that he's much more connected to the main storyline than I ever thought. And I kind of was like, oh, I don't know. I liked him. A, I liked a little better the idea that he was his this, old, this totally different storyline. But it doesn't really hurt to realize, well, if he's 50, his his lifespan totally overlaps the years that we've been learning about. He, so he's he basically as old as Anakin. <laughs> I was right. looking at the timeline the other day, and he is literally like... Anakin Skywalker's age. Right. He's contemporaneous with him. So, when, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that there's a lot to chew on with that. So, let's just talk a little bit about not so much. We'll get to the Luke of it in a, in a minute. Right now, we're talking about uh, Grogu. But what do you think of what this says about the potential for this to be, like I said, kind of the, it, not the end of their story together, but if Mandalorian is now established with its own kind of mythology and they have this whole idea of the throne of Mandalore and everything they're trying to do that's other than Baby Yoda, like, I mean, don't you think they'll spend part of a season getting them back together if they get them back together that 100%. soon? Because Grogu could be his own, could have his own movie, his own show. I mean, you know that this is the way they think. He's got his own set of circumstances now that's separate from uh, Din Djarin. So, like, what do you think of that? Do you think they're going to get them back together in episode one next year? Or do you think they're going to try to, you know, say, well, Grogu now is somebody who we care about. They can jump 300 years in the future and every other character we know is dead and he'll be like a teenager. <laughs> Um, I brought this up sometime after we watched the finale, because it, it took me a bit to put together, like, oh, he's with Luke. Oh, he's with Luke at Luke's new Jedi Temple. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> Kylo Ren blows that shit up. So there's no, there's absolutely no way that Grogu is there by the time those events happen and he's dead. And like, you know, like, there's no way that Ben Solo kills him. They couldn't have put us through this no. to just have him die there. And I don't think I don't think he's going to die. I'm honestly saying no. I think I think we're going to be with him. I think they've basically they've created a new character who can live for hundreds of years and now everybody loves him and feels protective towards him and all they have yeah. to do is show him the faker he looks when somebody picks him up the more I love him like, yeah. the more he looks like a little <laughs> immobile he, doll like, waddles around like, yeah. flopping. I love when he's a totally immobile thing and somebody just picks him up uh -huh. carefully and it's like totally dependent well, on that actor but you just love him you just oh, love and it. his you little just, face it feels his like face got so much more expressive even so in here too you know yeah it feels like you're watching an actor pick up their favorite teddy bear like they're <laughs> yes. so gentle with it they're so real with it uh, like you know they love that little puppet. When when Giancarlo Esposito like turned the gun on Grogu, yeah. I'm just like like oh you could never make him more evil than he is in this moment. Like well, I don't know putting in... putting handcuffs on him was pretty <laughs> putting evil. Putting handcuffs on him, baby handcuffs. <laughs> Did they already have those lying around? Well, no, that's what's funny. I saw some meme with like a stormtrooper <laughs> saying to another stormtrooper, "Is anyone gonna point out how fucked up it is that we have baby handcuffs on this ship?" Uh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> it was like, are we the baddies? <laughs> Well, and then in the first season, what was it? Jason Sudeikis was a stormtrooper and yeah, kept punching yeah. him. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. Uh, I've never seen anything more horrible in my life. But um, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I really hope that they do get them back together. I feel like, God, how could they not? There's no way um, they couldn't. Right. And they're really good at paying stuff off in this yeah. series that we're, we have to be with Grogu at some point in his adult life to hear him speak. 
because we've yes. never heard him speak other than making little baby sounds and a little bit of a translation, just a teeny tiny bit. We have yeah. to be able to see him ha- holding a conversation. Yeah. Because I feel like they set that stuff up and they pay it off. They like, do. Yeah. Like another point I want to talk about, but we can keep talking about Grogu for a bit, is um, Din Djarin taking his helmet off. Yeah. Yes. They start setting that up and then they pay it off really well. Um, but yeah, I don't... I, I don't know. I could watch their little like buddy movie, whatever buddy cop <laughs> movies dynamic forever. Um, yeah. But they obviously are definitely doing a bunch of stuff with retaking Mandalore. So I don't. I don't know when they're gonna get back together. I because it's Star Wars and they went three years with us not knowing if Han Solo was really a dead or what was going to happen to him. I feel like they could go a year or two mm-hmm. before they get those characters back together for like an adventure. I mean, I don't think they will because the Mandalorian to me feels like it's the baby Yoda show as much as the Mandalorian show. There's so many ways they can let people know you're not done with baby Yoda, Yeah. but having baby Yoda on this show sort of felt like it was the thing that made it special. So I almost feel like they just their marketing sense. They would say, don't take baby Yoda away from, from the Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. We at least have to wait a year. So that's enough time, yeah. but just wondering how they'll come back together. Part of me says the storyline needs to bring them back together in an interesting way and i could my vote would be for midway into season three they're back together but maybe like end of the first or the second episode we get a quick snippet of what grogu's doing you know just so we don't lose him completely but i feel like they know they've got us on the hook and you know if they can make us wait that's something they know we're waiting for now this relationship is special i mean it was a great way to define the way he went from in the first season from being like i'm taking the kid to these awful people you know to like well maybe i don't want to do that and in this season like two or three times he says like uh he's my first priority and like my family like cheers when he said when we see him warming up to grogu we're like yes thank you you know yeah. like he finally is talking like you know when characters talk the way you would talk in that situation it's like no no, no. the only thing he does that's still crazy is he leaves him in some pretty wackadoo uh, places yeah. oh yeah he's, but he, he's he, way too trusting he's way too trusting oh my god yeah. that i've never been more stressed than with the frog eggs <laughs> I was you like, need to put him oh like. Oh my god! <laughs> you need to like strap him down. Keep those eggs away from him. If R two D two is a scamp, then then Grogu is a, a, a super scamp. He really yeah. is. Oh, he is a total scamp. And how do we feel about this show if it doesn't have that scamp energy on it? Like, let's say they do keep them separate for a little while. Uh, how invested are we in the story of Mandalore and who sits on the throne and yeah. um, you know who's wielding the dark saber? I mean, some of that stuff was cool, and I enjoyed that we saw so many different characters that have different reasons for wearing the armor. But um, you know, once you start getting into that lore and all those rules of conduct, it starts to feel like the Jedi. Yeah. And, you know, that stuff became a little boring for me. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm a little bit worried about being bogged down in Mandalorian mythology if uh, we don't have baby Yoda around. My yeah. only my oh. only optimism with it is that before ever seeing The Mandalorian, just knowing that there was a show coming out called The Mandalorian, I only wanted to watch it because it was Star Wars. I didn't care about Mandalore. I didn't care about Mandalorians like, oh, it's cool armor, but like, I don't know what the fuck this show is about. And then like literally by the end of the first episode, you suddenly care about two characters. (laughs) Like you suddenly are completely invested in this. So my only optimism is if they do like take a hard left into something, I kind of trust like they seem to be pretty good storytellers with these TV shows. So yeah. I'm kind of trusting that they're going to make me care about something that I currently don't super care about. I, I Yeah, I agree where 
I do trust them to make something interesting out of anything. Yeah. But it is just, you know, right now I just have that feeling of, hmm. That's where we're going to go. But like, they do eh, have to pay I don't off. feel excited about that. I'm obviously going to watch it, and it's probably going to be amazing. Yeah. That's 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 my thought on I have, that. I have thought it was interesting, this whole series, just seeing different types of Mandalorians and their different, you know, yeah. ways of life. And um, Din Djarin was from, like, I guess, more of a culty type of people. Like religious extremists, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, like, like a stricter. It was, it was such version. an interesting moment when he meets up with, I'm just going to call her Starbuck, um, <laughs> and those other folks, and they take their their helmets off, and I don't know, it's such an interesting moment, and then Boba Fett shows up, and he's got his own whole deal going on, yeah. so it was really interesting um, having our guy meet all these other Mandalorians and then start to question his own beliefs about stuff instead of just being so kind of strict and stubborn with what his upbringing was. Mm -hmm. That episode with Bill Burr, I don't remember the names of the episodes, Mm -hmm. but... I think it was called The Believer. Yeah. Mm. When he just says something like compromising when you need to compromise. Oh, like And then he takes his helmet off to do the facial scan, which I don't understand because they wouldn't know what his face is. But anyway, (laughs) like he's not so unyielding that he wouldn't compromise his beliefs to um, like get them out of trouble. Yeah. Well, and it also like, that's a great, like you were saying. If he was not yielding at all like that, he would be very one note and And hard to watch. And it was a great setup because, like, they set up that moment where he has to take his helmet off in front of all these Imperials and Bill mm-hmm. Burr, um, who also, that like, so I can't remember. I think his name is Miggs. I don't know, but I just call him Bill Burr. Uh, it's uh, yeah. May- um, Mayfeld or May- Mayfield. Uh, um, yeah. So they set Miggs. that. Miggs? I don't know. Oh, I'm but, laughing because you said Miggs. Um, they, they set... uh, Sans the Lambs is Miggs, right? Uh, he's the, yeah. Oh, gross. He's the guy who, like, I think throws, throws ejaculates yeah. on Clarice Ew. and then gets talked into swallowing his tongue by yeah. Hannibal that night. Yeah, you're correct. Um, they set up that moment where it, it it happens, but then like also that he takes his helmet off because he has to to save Grogu. Yeah. And that's setting up the moment at the end of the finale where he takes his helmet off in front of everyone because he has to because of Grogu. This fucking it's making me tear up thinking about it. <laughs> that moment was such an emotional payoff. And it's a little bit of a echo of uh let me look on you with my own eyes from uh, oh, Turner, I didn't uh, even yeah. think Vader, about that. You know. Oof. It's like this important moment and like I need to see you. But also Baby Yoda wants to see him, you know. Yeah. When he when he reached up and like touched the uh, helmet. Oh god. Damn it. When we were when we were watching that, I was like, take your helmet off so he could see your face. And then he took his helmet off. And I was like, no, I wasn't emotionally ready for that. <laughs> I was not ready for that to actually happen. Pedro Pascal in that scene is great. Baby Yoda is doing some awesome work. Uh, uh, R2-D2, good to see you. Even the kind of background Mandalorians, everybody's great. I don't like Mr. Computer Face. Mr. Computer Face. I do think the emotions of the scene were hurt by that. His mouth wasn't moving. But I am I am such a fan of the story that I, that is still one of my favorite Star Wars sequences, period. Uh, outside of the fact that at the end of it, you have like human actors emoting their, their pants off and interacting with something. I don't know what that was. Yeah, I... I just keep falling into like, I just kind of wish they would recast. Like I... Yeah. 
this would have been the time to do it because we're now in the zone where they might do more with this character. Mm -hmm. We might see more of him. It feels weird if they're going to recast Luke to, to do this once. So it makes me think we won't be seeing much of Luke or maybe they have more faith in Mr. Computer Face than I do. But I think this would have been the time to, to do what they did with Alden Ehrenreich is just say, okay, like this is a person that you're now going to have to accept as Luke. Yeah, and they yeah, maybe, even have, maybe even have Mark Hamill do the voice and age it down or whatever they would do. But this didn't feel like... It didn't look like him and it didn't sound like him. Yeah. And I, so it was weird. That's basically yeah. what I was going to say is just that if, okay, so if we are getting um, Grogu and his journey on becoming a, a Jedi, I don't really want fucking weird computerized no. Luke in it. I, I mm -mm. did not like that. Yeah. Um, it, it like... I, it, yeah, it just was not working. Every time he talked, his like his his lips barely moved. It just was not doing it for me, and it didn't even really sound like him. It didn't sound Where, like it, him. I and would that's rather what I didn't understand. Yeah, I'd rather it sound like Mark Hamill, a little bit older, like the way he is now. Yeah, than like they the pitched I'd rather him look so like they, much. I'd rather him look like they like. You remember in um in the Last Jedi when he goes out and it's the younger oh, version. He's got of like Luke. a like a like a shorter beard. He kind of looks mm. like an uncle. They de-aged him 10 years for that, you yeah. know, as far as his character. Like, yeah. He was going back to the age he was when Kylo Ren last saw him, I think was, yeah. that, was the idea yes. there. Um, just bring that back a little bit more. Yeah. Put, you know, like, they didn't have to look like Luke walked right out of Return of the Jedi, and then yeah. eight years later, he's wearing the same outfit and has the same haircut. I just think that either recast or have, like, the de-aging version or shoot him, like, as we, we said with Tarkin, where they could have kept the reflection in the glass mm -hmm. and seen him from behind. Like, they could have had that moment have impact without doing that. I know people that say, oh, I didn't care about the effects. I just loved it. And it's like, I'm with them spiritually yeah. because it was such a cool way to do it. And if you're going to have these, if you're going to have uh, Grogu go off with somebody and you're going to feel okay about it, Luke is the one, you know what yeah. I mean? Luke is the, the the character who you would trust. It just feels like such a weird thing to take what could have been like one of the most emotional moments and have it be Pedro Pascal acting, taking his helmet off so he can act against a, 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 a cut scene character from a video game. Yeah. My, my son said uh, after they went into the elevator, the three of them at the end, it should have said press X to enter X-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like they did, they had, um, that era of Luke Skywalker in that Star Wars Battlefront game, and like that looked and sounded more like Luke Skywalker than this did. This looked <laughs> like they had cast someone who kind of looked like Mark Hamill, and then like put like a ghost of a CG face over top of a real person's face. It it kind of reminded and then me of like his voice up like, so high. Blade Runner twenty forty nine when uh when the hooker and the AI like oh merge yeah their they're like in the same spot and they're kinda. like in the same spot but they're like not quite in the same spot like that yeah was the no it did it kind of drifted getting. it drifted yeah that was the feeling that I got from the loop honestly like I just yeah I they just need just less of it like the recast. same with Moff Tarkin that looked fucking awesome for a few seconds for a few seconds yeah. and, until <laughs> and then there's too much of it and then it looks terrible yeah and I know we've talked about this before um, with Princess Leia at the end of. Uh, what was that movie? Rogue One. Rogue One. Rogue One. I knew it was Rogue something. Um, at the end of that, I loved that. I thought it looked great because it's only there for a split second. It's there long enough for me to go, oh my God, it's her. And then it's over. Mm -hmm. if, if it had gone on a little bit longer and she like kept talking, I would have yeah. been like, nope, it's gross. I don't like it anymore. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was effective because it was so short. I know it's CGI. I know, you know, obviously it's CGI. Um, but it just, 
it's easier to buy it when you're not sitting there looking at it for so long. It's like they just they have a little bit too much faith yeah. in their technology like and yeah. trying it out. And like, that's what I'm kind of hoping is like maybe logistically they like they did this and like. I'm wondering if they're like waiting to see the reaction. I know I don't want a whole season of that happening. Yeah. No, I don't want to see that for even five minutes, you know? I don't want to look at that again. (laughs) I'm I'm more invested in the story of that than like the fact that it would that it has to be fucking Mark Hamill, whether or not it's CGI. Like I am more invested in the story. I was thinking, does he doesn't he have a son or something? Like, does he? I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) Well, you know the guy the guy who plays Bucky in the in the Marvel movies, if you draw a circle around his face, he looks like Empire Strikes Back era Luke. So a lot of people were like, just go ahead like at some point bite the bullet so that you can have this dynamic Luke running around in this story and that he can like again act against people. Uh, Yeah, I agree. This is almost a way of telling me like, okay, either they don't have plans of using Luke that much. Uh, for these stories or they have too much faith in the technology and I'm going to be very annoyed by the Grogu series or whatever it's going to be that we see him again because I don't yeah I don't want to spend one more minute with that with that version of Luke I love that he showed up and I love that they just reminded us like I said that he's out there being a good guy and being heroic and as a person who loved Last Jedi uh, and loved the way that they gave Luke a kind of power that was different in that movie. Um, I do think it was cool to see the thing we all had sort of pictured we might get, which is Luke unloading in this badass, you know, fully powered way. The way that he takes out, like they set up those dark troopers so well that when he takes them out, you're like, oh, you needed Luke because yeah. no one else could have done it. You know, no well, one else could have yeah. shown up and saved the day. Oh, and it, God, and that it, episode was just so good. It really was. When he shot them all out of the airlock. I was like, yeah. oh, thank God. And then, and then when they, came, they back, came back and you were like, oh, right, they can fly. I was like, fuck. Oh, right, they can fly in their robots. They don't die in space. <laughs> like, oh, shit. When he was getting his head pounded into the wall, I kept getting flashbacks to his character yeah. on Game of Thrones having his head squashed like a grape. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, God, I didn't even think of that. I was like, oh, God, if he takes uh, his helmet off this episode, he's just going to be bloody and like broken nose under there. Well, that just I, shows you how much you like Din Djarin, though, because when that was happening to him, I think we all were going like, Din, what are you, like, what, are, honestly, dude, what are you going to do? None yeah. of your tricks are working on this yeah. guy. Like, Every one of his weapons was kind of like, so it was like, yeah, that that was a great fight. And I also think it's cool that they set up how Beskar can't be cut. Like like one thing the dark saber can't cut through is Beskar. So he gets to not only have basically a lightsaber duel because he can fight off a a lightsaber type weapon. As soon as they said that, that's what you said. You were like, he's going to have a sword fight. Yeah, with the I was like, he's got, he's got that spear. He's going to fight. Well, I know how action figures work, and he's got that spear on his yeah. back. Yeah. But I also think it's cool that he can one-up a Jedi, because a Jedi can't okay. hold his he arm up his arms, and, yeah. and fend yeah. off a blow. So in a sense, he could, he's like... got to protect his neck. Continue this conversation, and we will wrap up with our discussion of the sequel trilogy. Because if we go in story order, that's what comes after the Mandalorian. And I, I, I know back so, story order. Well, then where does Rogue One and Solo fit in? Before the original trilogy. Between a, between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Because <laughs> Rogue All One right. literally starts. I'll start, get, I'll get Jonathan the, to write it down for me later. Yeah, Mandalorian <laughs> is like never. five years after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, five to eight years after Return of the Jedi. That's when the the second Death Star has been blown up. The rebellion is sort of in power, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. The the New Republic. All right. Yeah, but Darth Vader's dead. Okay. Yeah. Em- Emperor's 
hiding uh, under make, that make, big rock that somewhere. Snoke clone. <laughs> yeah, making that giant tub of <laughs> Snokes. He's, he's making way he's, more Snokes why, than he's going to have any use for. Why does he still have so many of them? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's still got so many. He's in got that like at least vat. like three, three other Snokes. Yeah. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> yes. You've got that to listen, uh, to look forward to, <laughs> listeners. We're going to talk gonna about, talk the, about the, Snokes. the Snoke surplus. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, what can where can people find you two online? Oh, boy. Uh, you can find me at my other podcast, CD Reads, which is about romance novels. Um, you can find me, just go to Facebook and follow Cactus Rodeo, the page Cactus Rodeo, because that's where I post... Um, Comics when I draw them, which uh, maybe now that this four years of darkness is <laughs> lifting, I can get some um, creative groove back. Uh, comics and uh, Pop Psychic Theater, the show that, that we all make together, that we're in the middle of uh, production on season two. And then uh, some other podcasts. We've got Movie Club, which me and Becca host, and Below Grade Level, which the two of us and our friend Chris host and have guests on like john walker and uh we read children's books and ruin them and then uh our last show the sketchy show which is a uh, improv sketch comedy show and you can hear all of us on that one not me you're on it not in in <laughs> how old much sketches. of a backlog do you have oh a lot oh okay i've gone through most of it though <laughs> so well becca jonathan i hope you enjoyed this. Drink. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us. Oh, sure. Yeah. Talk about Star Wars anytime. seen that meme where it's like um padme talking to to little anakin and yeah. and he says uh uh i'm going to i'm going to sh- what does he say i'm going to strangle you and um torture our daughter and cut our son's hand off and then she <laughs> says you're a funny little boy <laughs>